The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Chrissy. Hello. Good to see you, brother. Nice to see you. I like the shades. I know. I feel like Jeffrey Dahmer. Are those uh, Anthony Aiden's? Anthony Aiden. Dude, Anthony Aiden, St. Mark's, Lower East Side. Yeah. I wanted to... I have a. Um, I wanted to look like a '70s, '80s like mobster look. Mm. I want that's what I wanted to go for. And Anthony was like, "I got you." Oh yeah, that you nailed it. Yeah, Anthony Aiden, and he's one of those guys, like a MMA guy. So it's like you know he's selling these nice glasses, but then he's got the cauliflower ear, and he's got he's always got like bruises on his face. Yeah, I met him in New York. Very nice guy. He, he gave me a beautiful pair of sunglasses, like with like rose colored shades. Yeah, they're very nice. They're transition lenses, and yeah, the, mine too. And the thing is with these is this is you know I'm going for it right, and I've went I've went a little crazy, and I'm going for it. I'm just going for it. I've said you know what enough's enough enough's uh, enough i said i'm done i'm 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 putting on glasses i'm wearing a watch wow and i'm changing kind of watch you got uh ap royal oak Ooh, that's a nice watch i just came i talked to andrew santino and i said i want to oh. watch and he sent me this link and i said but what about that price he said if you're gonna do it just fucking do it wow and so he and then i did it and then when i sent him a picture of it on he was like dude i was kidding like you <laughs> <laughs> you, you you just jumped like 10 steps. And then he said, what is, you're like a different Chrissy with these glasses. And I know, I said to you before, I'm wearing them every day. I haven't taken the watch or the glasses off in about two weeks. And I feel good about it now. I feel centered with who I am. But okay. it does feel like, you know, a month from now, I'll look back and really regret this phase. Why? Because I think that, um, 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 I uh, listen, I'm having fun. Right. Uh, right now, it's no regrets, but I'm just saying I know the way my mind works, and I think I'm probably going too hard, too fast. Like, I just, you know, the glasses, the watch, you go, I got a tour manager. I don't need any of this. I'm just going. Just and, keep going. What yeah. are you worried about? All right, then I'll do yeah, it then. Yeah, you need a coach. Yeah. You need someone in the corner going, keep going, Keep kid. going. Keep I, going. I ate a bag of chicken skin in look, your green room. Look at you. Look at the fucking look. I like the new look. Dude, because you know what this is, too. What? You, know, you know what happened is I started- It's a glow up. It, it's a glow up. That's what it is. Yeah, you're glowing up. It's a up. glow up. I'm yeah. like Elliot Page, glowed up. I think you look great. I, I appreciate that. Got a fucking bracelet on too? Dude, I'm not, I'm, I've completely went insane. Wow. That's not insane. You're making a little cash. You're doing well. And you know what? Netflix it, special's doing well. That's it. Everything's good. The kids yeah. tour and the kids making some we'll shekels. Go. The kids Let's do, go. The kids doing Radio City Musical, the folks. The kids doing Radio City Musical, Se folks. September 22nd. I mean, that's, see, for a New Yorker. That's like that's the thing. Yeah, that's the place. You go to Radio City and and yeah. and it's and it's been amazing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, and it's been amazing. Um, we're all, we sold forty five hundred tickets the first week, so that, that's amazing. It's like mind blowing for me. So um, that place is so. I didn't Roy Jones Jr. have a fight there once. Probably I think when Roy Jones Jr. was just murking people, Roy Jones Jr. put on a fight. I'm pretty sure he did it there. Yeah, it's, he did it at some iconic venue. In New York City, and Radio City Music Hall is one of the the, the peaks. It's when I started comedy, I've and still uh, yeah, it is there. It is, yeah. Roy Jones Jr. produced a Radio City Spectacular. Who did he fight? That was when. What's that? Oh, that's right. Even fighting one-handed. That was yeah. Well, that was when Roy Jones Jr. was just the fucking king of the world. Yeah. People forgot. Like, he had to make a song called Y'all Must Have Forgot. <laughs> yeah. He did it literally. He yeah. made a song called Y'all Must Have Forgot because people forgot. Right. 
That he ha- was the fucking man. There was a period of time, and this is the thing about fighters. You can't keep it up forever. It's impossible. And a lot of times we think about fighters as who they were at the end of their career. Right. When their bodies were, were failing and they had too much mileage on the tank. It's like on, on the, the odometer, rather. Roy Jones Jr., when he was in his peak in his prime, was as good as anybody that's ever laced on yeah, gloves. Yeah, I agree. Did you watch the Paul Fury fight yesterday? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. what'd you think? I thought it was a very good fight. Yeah. And it's, it confirmed two things that I've been saying for a long time. One, Jake Paul is 100% legit. People that think he's not legit, he's conning you. He's conning you with his antics. He's conning you with his, his uh, online persona yep. and the shit talking and the marketing. But if you didn't have any of that and me as an analyst like i that's one of my jobs i analyze mixed martial arts i'm not a boxing analyst but i understand it right when i watch him move around it's 100 percent legit when i saw him knock out tyron woodley i'm like that is a fucking dangerous man yeah 100 percent. yeah he's i was watching it illegally on uh why don't you pay for it you fucking piece of shit i didn't know i i because i I ran out of money i bought bought too many glasses I, got, I spent it all on the watch. Uh, no, because I didn't even know. I, I love sports and stuff, but I'm not into. Not that I'm not into boxing. I just don't ever like watch it that much. And so the the guy that I'm with, he was like, "Oh, the fight's happening now." So he's like, "I got a site." And we started. We were. I was eating uh, ice cream yesterday in San Francisco in Little Italy, and we're. And I only eat sweets once a week now. So yesterday was my sweets day. Nice. And I was eating. Um, I ate. I got four scoops of gelato. So I was three and a half scoops in, and the blood sugar, the way it hit, you know, I was getting woozy, but it's like what I've been waiting for. And I'm watching the fight happen, and then, you know, San Francisco, right outside, I see two homeless guys fighting, like legitimately fighting. And it was kind of one of those things where I swear to God, even though amazing fighters that, that, you know, Paul and Fury, the fight outside was so much more entertaining. I mean, I've never seen this. I saw a homeless man yesterday in front of, as the kid out in the green room, as my witness, roundhouse kick another, land a roundhouse kick to the chin, Another, the other homeless guy's face, the guy hit up against some outdoor dining, was like shell-shocked, like, you know, like woozy, bleeding from his lip, and then just scurried off. And I was wow. like, wow. And then I bought the homeless guy who won the fight ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God. But I, did you know whether who, who instigated the fight? Maybe the homeless guy with the roundhouse kick is like a crack stealer. I was going to say, I think most likely fentanyl instigated the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I would feel like fentanyl would calm it down. Yeah, that's true too. It was. I don't know if when's the last time you've been to San Fran, but I mean, it it got. Uh, you know, it's pretty wild. It there. was wild there in North Beach, you know, Little Italy, and I was like, man, this is next level. But I thought my mother always instilled in me, like, always buy homeless people food. If you see them, buy them food, and uh, and so that's just what I automatically do. And I bought him ice cream, and you know what this guy says to me? Granted, he had just won a fight, but I came out with chocolate ice cream. He goes, I don't like chocolate. I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, that's probably why he's homeless. Seriously, right? Because yeah. of the ego and like... Disagreeableness. Yes, so I went and got a vanilla and he ate the vanilla. Oh, you did that. That's yeah. good for you, Because, bro. you know, it's good my sweet day. I just had the chocolate. Good for you. Good Thank for you. Thank you. That's a lovely thing to do. Yeah. I wish it was just, you know, that the people are down on their luck. I wish it was just that. Yeah. But there's like such a combination of factors that humans have to address. If they really want to address homelessness, you really have to address... Kids that grow up in the foster care system, you have to address uh, childhood abuse, you yeah. have to address family history of drug addiction, yep. you have to address crime. Like, uh, There's so many factors you know, that lead into someone being homeless. And 
the idea that you're just going to give them housing or you're just going to give them tents and everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, like you can't just like ignore that as an issue. Like if you're going to, the amount of money that it costs to have massive populations of homeless people is extraordinary. If they just put the same amount or maybe more to prepare for the future into some sort of like comprehensive program to try to help people that are fucked up like that and clean them up. And it would probably have to involve psychedelic drugs. Yeah, that's what I was. I think that you probably because because it's not a money thing, right? People they have money to. It's not a cure. It's not a financial cure. It's these people. People that are just so damaged by life. Yes. In in whether it's chemically damaged, psychologically damaged, maybe they don't have the right psych medications. Maybe they're off their meds. You know, a, a lot of them have gone through horrific abuse. Like, you yeah. don't wind up in a tent in Skid Row unless no. shit has gone. Te- it's literally the bottom of the country. Skid Row's like the bottom of the country. Right. But then I wonder if you get to talk to some people and they're like, "We, this is where we want to be. You think some people are willingly that? Because they don't, they don't know anything else. Right. Right. They don't know love. They don't know, like, uh, the accomplishment of, like, doing a thing and getting better at it and, like, improving upon mm-hmm. and realizing that's kind of a vehicle for improving yourself. Like they, they haven't experienced, like, positive things. Like, the life, life is, like, this is why it drives me fucking crazy when any, everybody says, like, whenever anyone says, like, pull them up by their own bootstraps. Like, to tell people to go, you know, figure it out yourself. You know, yeah. I did. or Like, these people, you're not dealing with the even starting line. If everybody had an even starting line, that would make sense. If everybody right. had a mom and a dad and they grew up in a house where no one smoked crack and right. fucking shot at each other. Yeah. If you grew up in a place like that, yeah. okay, if we all grew up like, and we all like had a good school to go to with good education and nice teachers that cared, but that's not everybody's yeah. experience. And no. until we fucking fix that, yeah. you're never going to fix this homeless problem. Like I, I you know, was lucky to grow up. I grew up in New York City, great parents, whatever. But then I just had a show in Fresno a couple of days ago. And I said, if I grew up here, I'd be a little different. You'd be because a lot different. Fresno is one of those places where I went at a great time. But I mean, those just, just being there, just mm-hmm. being in that city for 24 hours, I was like, I don't know if this was my every single day. You might turn to drugs. You, and, it's and depressing. It's de- it's depressing. I drove from Fresno to San Jose, and we were passing through Stockton, and I thought I was in Switzerland because that's <laughs> what an upgrade it was from Fresno. I was like, what are we, in the fucking Alps? Bro, I was driving through a street in Fresno, and people were walking out on, in the middle of the street like, what the fuck are you doing driving here? Yeah. Like, I went down a wrong area where it's, like, mostly homeless people. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That The, 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 the Fresno skid row that I saw was, the one I think, the worst I've ever seen. I, I'm sorry, no, in... Uh, in uh, uh, was it? Yeah, it was uh, San Jose? I should say San Jose was was really, really, really fucking bad. Yeah. Um, o- over there, I was like, Jesus Christ! You know, you um, and Vancouver. I just went to Vancouver. That was the one where I was like, I did not know that Vancouver had such a. See, I think what Vancouver and these cities are doing is they're just putting their homeless in one section because you know I live in New York. I'm in New York every day. There are homeless and they're spread out through the city, but you never see blocks of tents like you see in San Francisco and Vancouver. So when I was there, I was like, this doesn't feel like the right move either, you know, Mm. to just put them in one corner because New York, they're spread out, but you don't you don't feel them as much. It's dangerous, but not really where San Francisco, Vancouver, they were like, you know, one of the local comics I was with in San Fran, he was like, you cannot leave anything in your car. Yeah. around this theater you cannot they will break in and i saw about four or five windows busted out which you never see that in new york 
And I think the police in Vancouver and San Fran, from what the people were telling me, they, that's a district they don't care. They don't even go into that district. They just let it be a free-for-all, which I understand from the government. It's like, well, this is our last resort. But I, I don't know that that's going to necessarily work. But maybe you got to give them psychedelics. Well, what they're doing right now is not working. You can't no. just let people smash people's windows. It's no. so it's so crazy, and it's you know it's a direct result of uh, horrific police violence. Yes, like, that's what it's from. It's from you watch like the George Floyd video, right? You watch those five guys uh, beat that man to death recently. You see these videos. You see the Roddy King video. You've seen so many videos. So people like over time have decided that all police are bad and all police interactions are bad and we need to defund the police and this is what that leads to it just leads to an increase in crime it's not perfect it's not a perfect system right right but you need a system of law and order if you don't have a system of law and order you have too many people that would just give in with no consequences to crime right and that's not their fault in a lot of cases I mean we can go through that and talk about determinism and what we've already talked about before about everybody doesn't have an an even starting line right. but you got to address that it's a problem and you got to address for peaceful people they have to be able to walk down the street and not worry about getting assaulted and robbed yeah and if that happens all the time You've got a fundamental breakdown of what your society so in society strong are supposed to protect the vulnerable right and if you're not doing that then you don't have a society and then you also have this crazy gun laws and everything it's, right. it's a little difficult to you're not allowed to concealed carry there's a lot of yeah. like so there's no consequence of people like coming after you and it's yeah. not like it's like fucking the wild west out there it's just the prevalence of crime has increased pretty noticeably yeah and, and like I said, New York was pre-pandemic the safest city I thought in the world. I grew up there. I was like, it's so safe. It's insane. And I always would say the same thing about New York. I would say New York is the only city that like any time of the day, any day of the week, you feel like the vibrance, you feel the people where I would go to a city like, even though I love it, like a city like Cleveland, Cleveland would feel, even though it's open, it felt closed. Like that's just what the city always mm. felt like. And I, I was like, I never felt that once in New York, but now- over the last like year or two, New York, a lot of times, like 50% of the week feels closed even though it's open. And I'm like, oh snap, it hit New York, which I, and then, you know, I talked to my father about that, you know, complain about New York. He was like, Chris, shut up. He's like, I grew up in New York in the 70s and 80s. Like, it is nowhere near as violent and unsafe as it was in the 70s and 80s. Like, you just grew up in peacetime. He was like, you know, you grew up in peacetime America. Your generation are all peace kids. You're born in the eye of the storm. Yeah, he's like, so you didn't see any of this shit. Yeah. He was like, so you, what, you, you just had the privilege of growing up in a New York City and in America that was at, at the top, you were at the top of the Roman Empire. He was like, and now what you're seeing is kind of a little bit more of the fabric society. He was like, I, my dad's like, I grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. This is just reminding me of old New York. He's like, I kind of like this grittiness of this, but you grew up, everybody's safe. That was never going to be real. He was like, and, you know, I don't, it will probably come back at some point, but it's going to take a long, long time. But I don't know. I feel like now, like in my, you know, when I'm, even like my mom wants to take my daughter to Times Square to the American Girl doll store, and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, I, I can't, I can't allow you to take her. She's like, what? It's, 
I'm your mom, your granddaughter. We'll take, we'll go on the train and I'll take her to the store and I'll be back. I was like, no, I can't, I, I won't be able to function. My anxiety won't be able to function of thinking about you and my daughter on the train. Because if there's a homeless person down there that's crazy off his meds and he throws one of you in front of the tracks and something happens, I won't be able to live with myself. Oh, and those thoughts Christ. were never in my head ever. They were never, ever, ever in my head, but now they are. And I don't know if it's because it's reality, the media, something, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I think it's a little bit of both. It is reality. It has happened. Yeah. So to deny that it's happened would be, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. We, there's videos of people doing it. Right. The question is, like, how many of them, how much do you need to worry about it? Yeah. And, and how often is this happening? It's not happening that often. You consider how many people there are. But the fact that it could be a possibility at all. Right. The, you know, what's really crazy is, like, Giuliani cleaned New York City up. He did. He really did. I he mean, did. it was... A lot of people said it was like great overreach and thuggish behavior by yep. the police and all the horrible shit they did, the stop and frisk shit. Yeah. What would they do? They would just stop you? Any so anybody. So I had a friend who's he's now a detective. He was a beat cop, 21 years old, when Giuliani implemented this stop and frisk thing. And he said, look, he was like, I, I'm being honest. My friend, he's, you know, he's, he's Latino guy. He's like, I promise you. Our sergeant would come in every morning, talk to us about stop and frisk, and he said, you stop each race, ethnicity, religion, you stop everybody equally, okay? He said, that's what you're looking for. You're st everything is equal, okay? He said, but his beat was Times Square. He said, now, if I went in to Times Square and I grab a group of kids, pat them down, they have something, right? But they're you know, uh, uh, from a socioeconomic status that, you know, is a little impoverished, whatever, what am I supposed to do? Say, oh, you have a gun and a knife and drugs on you, um, but, uh, you know, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to take this off you. I'm just going to let you go back out into society. He said, no, I would have to then arrest them. He said, well, then I would take like another group of kids that wouldn't have anything and then you let them go. He said, and then that became like they brought race and identity politics into that type of policing. But we were stopping everybody equally. It's just crime is in certain areas for certain reasons. He was like, that's above my pay grade. He said, but when they stopped that stop and frisk, he said, the reason, the thing what's happening, at least in New York now, he said, it's, it's we'll know that uh, somebody has a gun or a weapon. We'll know that they're a career criminal. We know. He said, but we are not allowed to to intervene at all unless they commit, unless they act first. He said, so that creates a lot of um, confidence for the criminal and it creates a lot of, you know, we're, we are scared. He was like, flat out, I'm scared to apprehend someone because the police union, if I make a mistake or if it looks like I made a mistake, is not going to have my back and I'm going to get sued and lose my family and lose my life. So you start to say, well, just, we know you have shit, but just deal with it. Unless you're raping, murdering someone, then I'll intervene. But that little petty shit, I'm not going to get involved in anymore. Well, I think we could look at it both ways, right? Right. And this is one way to look at it. The old way of uh, stopping and frisking is easy to abuse. Of course. And when you think about the power that you give someone, where they could just walk up to anyone, yeah. some businessman they don't like, some, some fucking yeah. guy who thinks he's hot shit, some guy who's with his friends who's a little too loud, you just walk up to him and go, come on, take, let me see all your shit. I'm going to touch you in front of everybody, make you feel uncomfortable. Like, what? What, shouldn't you have to commit a crime yes. before the police are allowed to frisk you and take your stuff? Shouldn't right. you at least be accused of a crime? Shouldn't there at least be some sort of criminal behavior where the police have to intervene? Because then they're like, people are going to self-correct and you're going to act differently in order to try to, to stop the cops from doing this to you. Right. Like, you, 
you you gotta that that's like a freedom issue. That's a real egregious attack on freedom to just be able to point at someone right. and be able to just frisk them. No crime, no nothing. Right. Like that's a weird power yes. to give police, and it's that's not good. And the other thing's not good either. It's yeah. not good to take away all their power either. It's yeah. not good to to uh, make it so the cops are terrified to respond to a call. That's not good either. So there needs to be some sort of a logical recognition of what the issues are. Yeah. And right now, I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, a guy lives with me, my, my girlfriend's uncle, transgender guy, T.T. Jerry, 20 years in prison. Jerry, Shout out to T.T. Shout out T.T. Jerry's lived a fucking wild life. On your podcast all the time. On my podcast all the time. Having Bust a... open that liquor, son. Yeah, let's Okay, this is, yeah, this is uh, Siesta Ligas Tequila. Oh, but before you do that, I think you should have a whiff. Okay, yeah. Because you've been wanting to have a whiff. So what is this, smelling so this salt? Is, uh, is this uh, Juju Mufu stuff? Yeah. Is this dude Juju Mufu who's hilarious? He's a, uh, like a super power lifter, bodybuilder okay. type character. Um, so what and a, uh, he's these are careful. smelling salts. So, so don't throw them away when you when you panic because you will panic. You're gonna take a nice deep whiff with your nostrils. I already smell it, and I'm like hyperventilating. Let it hit you. Let it hit you. Don't, so what do I do though? Don't now? throw it anywhere. Just, Just hold on to it. Just don't panic once you get hit. Don't put your nose too far in there. Get in there, bitch. So but but I <laughs> breathe. Just breathe. You got to take me take through it. Take a smell. Though. Just take a sniff. Put it up to your nose and take a sniff. It's, it's not complicated. You want me to do it first? Yes. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Okay. Oh. Whew. Yeah. The new ones. Oh. oh my God. When you freshly open one, oh boy. <laughs> that was a cool noise. It's stunning. <laughs> it's stunning. You didn't even get that close. No, 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 no. But I, that's what I'm saying. When I got there, Oof. it went up and down my esophagus and made me gargle. You need a hit of this, Jamie. Come on, Jamie. You need a, you need a this hit is, of this, son. Jamie. Come on, I Jamie. Throw, I'll probably throw Jamie, up Jamie, right you will not I, I feel throw no, up. I feel I like you need to join us. Starbucks in me. Oh, listen, oh. you're going to be fine. Come I, on. One, one little quick. I can smell it from here. I just took a big <laughs> quickie, Jamie. Oh, I feel <laughs> nauseous. Jamie with a quickie. Let's go. Oh, oh shit! You got so hit. Good. They're so good. Jamie, the new ones are so good. Yo, you know what's crazy oh. about that? I just hit that. I've had neck pain for like three days because I slept wrong. My neck pain's gone. Gone. I just uncricked that shit. Look at that. There we go. All right, here we go. Theo this... Vaughn was uh, oh. he was addicted to this. He kept hitting it. Really? Theo hit it like four or five times, didn't he? He, he kept go going. He in. went back. He I even feel... hit. I think he hit it after the show. Oh, I did. feel it in yeah, my yeah. eyes. Yeah, I feel it everywhere, dude. So this is uh, uh, some Can't be good Anejo tequila. Siesta. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's brown tequila. Brown like tequila, it. extra Anejo. So, uh, oh, dude. Anyway, want some? Thank you. There we go, baby. Yeah. Brought that, yeah this is, where's uh, the lid? The lid for the... To this stuff. Oh, to that stuff? This, is this, this it? Stuff. No, I'm fucked up. It's for your whiskey. <laughs> oh, my God. What'd you do? Oh, shit. The lid. Oh, here. It fell down right here. Oh, hold on. Let me get it. Hold on. I got it. Oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a panic with this fucking smelling salts. Oh, it's there so go. powerful. There you go, Salute, puppy. My brother. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, dude. Oh. That uh, I've never Oof. uh, I've never experienced something like that. Yeah, these guys take it before they lift. 
Like, it, I guess it just uh, shocks the central nervous system, and then they fucking rah! go wild, right? Yeah. But Pull that's up a, a picture of Juju Mufu. You got to see this dude. Well, you should watch actually video of him because he's more impressive in video. He's really a crazy athlete. Yeah. He's not just like a power lifter. He does like backflips. I wonder if they shit. have that stuff on the um, dude. I just, by the way, I just saw. I don't know if you guys spoke about it on the show. I just saw something when I was coming in today that one section of the war in Russia, the Ukrainian soldiers on the front line have a four-hour lifespan. Oh my god! I was like, what the fuck? Four-hour lives? I was like, is that even? How is can that, that be real? Is that real? I saw it in the news article. Four-hour lifespan. But I was just made me that made me think of that. Like, I wonder if like what these soldiers like when the Nazis used to take crystal meth before and then just go oh, crazy. Yeah. They do shit like that. I don't think they do shit like that, but they definitely take amphetamines. Yeah, you they, have to, right? Yeah, that's a common thing. Yeah, it, it it helps them in war. I mean, the Vikings took mushrooms. Really? Yeah, the Viking, the berserkers. What they would do is they'd get fucking high as fuck on yeah. psilocybin. They would yeah. chew down psilocybin. That's Juju Oh, I've, se oh, well, I've, I've seen this bro. guy. The dude's doing a full split, oh, sideways split, while he's holding up two 45-pound plates that are dangling from rubber bands with a bamboo pole. Do you know how like, unstable that is? Uh, like, I wouldn't even be able to hold that over my head, probably. I this dude is balancing on a full split. With, you know, in between two chairs. Like, he's a crazy athlete, man. He's a crazy human being. It's a crazy uh, but, human being. But a positive crazy. But it's fun. It's fun. He's fun. a fun dude. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, that guy, He I'm sure he, I think he intermittent fast. Do you think he's into intermittent fasting, a guy like that? I don't know. I would imagine that he's changed into my, a lot of things. Dude, that changed my whole life. Yeah. I dropped 35 pounds. I fucking... I got off social media, and I started intermittent fasting. Life changed, bro. Good for you. Life changed. It's literally, I just said to myself, I can't give any more energy to things that are not helping me. Right. I can't give energy to strangers anymore. So I have somebody who runs my social media, Brian Morton. He's a big fan of yours. He's got shout hair out like- Shout out to Brian. Shout out Brian. He's got hair like Lancelot, like medieval hair. Nice. Yeah, I've never seen a guy pull off a fucking medieval bob like this kid. But he runs it for me now. And, um, and dude, it's changed. I, I, I got to a point where I was 255 pounds and I was fucking around, right? I was 255 pounds, didn't even realize it. And I put on one of T.T. Jerry's wigs, like just chilling, whatever. And I got on the scale, just fucking, I don't know what I was doing. And I, and I looked 255 and I said to the mirror, I said, you look like a fat Howard Stern right now. Wow. And it was funny. Like my family were all laughing, ha, fat <laughs> Howard Stern running around my tits, you know, and my daughter, everybody's having fun. And then it's on my birthday. August, so just a few months ago, and then I get go in the shower, right? And I'm not even thinking; it's like not even in my head. Out of nowhere, hysterical crying, bawling, crying like something hit me that I was suppressing, like literally, like uncontrollable tears, like snot coming out of my nose, like a seven year old oh. could not stop, and something like broke inside of me. And then I think this is where the universe comes in. It's not that. It happened, like, I think I just had probably seen stuff like this before, but now that my eyes were open to look, I started taking in information, and I'm on Twitter, like, you know, two hours later, just, you know, mindlessly scrolling, you know, dealing with the emotions, whatever, and I see a tweet from Elon Musk, and he's just, he wasn't, wasn't promoting this, he just was, it was a genuine tweet, he goes, the uh, Zero Intermittent Fasting app is awesome. That's all he wrote, and I said... I'm going to download that app right now. And I downloaded this app, Zero Fasting app, and I was just like, I'm just going to do this for two weeks. I'm just going to stay in a in a in an eight hour, six or eight hour feeding window. Don't worry about not eating sweets or pizza. Just eat all the food you want to eat, but just eat it in that window. And let's see what happens for two weeks. What does the app do? So the app, what it 
pretty much, I mean, Joe DeRosa makes fun of me. He's like, dude, all it is is a fucking timer. You're like the talking. The app is just a timer? He's like, because what basically when you, he's like, you're an asshole, dude. You're like making it like this is from the Mayans. It's a timer on your phone, you jerk off. <laughs> the Mayans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but basically when I start eating, like let's say I start eating my first meal is at 10 a.m. I, uh, you know, I'm eating from 10 to 6, and at 6 p.m. I press the button, start fasting, and then it starts to go. And then at at not at 10 a.m. I'll get a notification the next day, feeding window over, congratulations. And then the more time you stay in the fast, it'll say now you're in the fat burning, now you're in the ketosis, whatever. And so I just said to myself, I'm going to stay to this. And dude, in those two weeks, even though I was eating bullshit, in two weeks. It's not that the weight dropped, but the composition of my body was starting to change. And I noticed, I was like, oh, I, I ran like half a mile more. I, I had 10 more pounds on the end of the bench press. And then it just became like, this is what I do now. Now I'm Chrissy intermittent fasting, but then I think... <laughs> I think the glasses and the watch is from the fasting. So, I, Well, you're just, it's a full glow up. I, you're doing the body glow up too. Yeah, and Jasmine, my girlfriend, f hates it. She's like, what the, you know? What Why the does fuck? she hate it? Because she's like, you know, you, you glasses, the watch, the body, what the fuck are you doing? She doesn't I, like it? I was like, I'm trying to be healthy, babe. She wants to keep you fat. She wants to keep me fat. Wow. Yeah. She wants to keep me fat. And I told are her. Are you sure? I don't, maybe not. Maybe she just doesn't want to put pressure on you. Yeah. She's worried if you're going crazy with all the watch and the glasses and the fat that you, you might snap. Well, she gets worried about me because I go, I go hard or go home. And she's like, <laughs> you, you, you go too fast with things. She goes, you go from zero to 100. And I just worry that you've lost all this weight in this good period, quick period of time. And I just worry that there's a, a you know, you go too hard and then something else happens. Because she reminded me, she's like, remember the last time you lost all this weight this quick? It was 2018. And I said, yeah. And she's like, and then remember all of 2019 you thought you you were gay. <laughs> she was like, that's what I, I just don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happened. And it's true. It, it tipped my personality. Go hard or go home. I go hard or go home. And that's the phase I'm in now with the glasses, with the with yeah. who I am. You know, like I just booked myself with the four seasons. I said, I'm fucking living. And by the way, you, she can't. You can't worry right. about things like that. Like, right. am I gay? Right. Yeah, because I've made a commitment to say I'm not gay. Um, at least I have. I've kind of said because I've been on the fence a while, but I've said I'm not gay. You know what? You're not gay. And actually, Tim Dillon, the great Tim Dillon, told he me. He convinced you. He convinced me I'm not gay because he said, you it's know, funny because a lot of people think Tim's not gay. They think it's a scam. They think Tim's not gay. It's a scam. Interesting. It's a scam. First Patreon. Well, so it's like gives him the get out of jail free pass. It's a good point. Oh my God, there's so many things that he can make fun of that we can't even touch. Yeah, gay. Well, well, you know that's smart. So maybe I'm <laughs> rethinking this gay thing. If that is a scam, maybe that's the scam of the century. That's, but he said, that's the move. But he said an interesting thing. He said he knows I'm not gay because even though I play around and I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll right. you know joke I'm like I I don't eat cock unless it's in my fasting window. Like you know, we'll joke around and whatever. Right. But then I asked him seriously once. I was like, "Do you think I'm like possibly gay?" And he was like, <laughs> "And and and he was like," <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "No." He said, "No," because you know why you're not gay. He said, "Because you actually are insecure about your body." He said, "So there's times where like you know you'll be like, oh my nipples are fat,' or like you'll." And he said, "Gay men usually lean in to." 
body positivity and how sexy my body is, whatever. He said, so since you don't, he's like, I just don't think like a gay guy would be more like, look at how, look at how imperfectly perfect I am. He said, That's most gay, most gay men, not, not Tim, that Tim is a different breed because it's a scam. But, yeah. but, 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 but I, I was like, interesting. So that's, he kind of gave me the confidence to move forward and say, you're not gay. Well, I'm glad he did that for yeah. you. That's a true right. friend. Because <laughs> Jasmine has brought up that she thinks I'm gay multiple times. She <clears> thought <throat> I'm gay when, right after sex. She's just something. And I thought I laid it on her. Right. We had great, powerful sex. And she'd be like, honey, like, you know, rubbing my chest. She's like, it's okay if you're gay. Like, it's everything Whoa. is okay. And I'm like, what do you think? That, like, I, and then she'll never give me an answer. So Maybe that's what she wants. Maybe that's what she wants. You know what? Maybe that's, that's what she wants. Because I think if I was gay, then there would be less worry from her. Because she's, because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, I think her walking in on me with a woman is a lot harder than her walking in on me with Tim Dillon. You know right, what I mean? Right. That, that would, makes sense. It, she would be able to accept that more. But I'm not gay. That's the thing. That's what I'm trying Congratulations. to say. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and if I was, by the way, I'd be supportive of it. And I I'll, would be supportive of it as well. I'll say this. Please do. I'm going to commit to not being gay at least to New Year's Eve of 2023. <laughs> and that's and 2024 we start over, Jamie. Well, the New Year's Eve of 2023. How many months is that? Where are we at? Uh, go, yeah. 10, 10 months. months. 10 months. You out. can do it. I can do if listen, if I can keep my fasting window in 6 hours, if you can keep that watch and those glasses on for 2 weeks. I haven't taken them off once. Anthony Aiden <laughs> specifically told me don't go in the shower with them. I shower with them every day. Same thing with the watch. <laughs> He said, when I went and got this watch, from, <sighs> shout out my guy Yanni from Material Goods. He, it sounds he, like a guy would sell you a watch. He, he was wearing these glasses. He, oh I, he, we had matching glasses on. And, <laughs> and, and he's a great guy. Great guy. And he was like, do you know, he's an awesome guy. He's like, do you know anything about watches? I was like, not a thing. He was like, okay. So he goes, uh, he goes why don't you go around the store and just pick out five watches that you really like. Don't know, you don't even know what the price is. Just pick out what you want. So I pick out five watches and he goes, hmm. Interesting. He was like, how much do you think uh, these are total? I was like, I have no idea. I was like, 20 grand. He was like, you just picked out $1 million worth of watches. Oh, my God. I was like, whoa, whoa, wee, wah. He was like, so obviously, let's scale it back. He started explaining Jesus to me Christ. the AP. I was a, I'm a lunatic. He started explaining to me the AP, the Rolex, the, the paddock, all that. And then he brought out this, the Royal Oak. And, you know, I, I, Santino had shown it to me. And I said, it's a sign from God. Santino sent me a link Santino to that. Santino has one of those. Santino has one of these. They're beautiful watches. Beautiful watches. And that price was wild. But I said, you know, I spoke to my accountant. I, I'm, I, you know, I got a family to run, so I try to be responsible financially. I spoke to my accountant. I said, you know, is it okay to buy this watch? He said, this is a new Chrissy, huh? I said, yeah, I'm, 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 I want to live in this. He goes, you sure this is not a spur-of-the-moment decision? I said, I said to my accountant, I said, fucking, do I have the green light or what? I'm ready to go. And he was like, you can do it. It's an appreciating asset. So that's why I don't mind you doing it. You can do it. It appreciates. Fine. Do it. And then I fucking did it. And I got to be honest, when I put this on, there was a part of me that was like, what are you doing, Chris? What are you doing? This is not you. What are you doing? But now that I've had it on, it kind of, you know what happened? It's like I instantly put it on. What a beautiful watch. 
watch. Beautiful watch. I instantly put it on and it took me back to 2010, to March of 2010. And I hadn't even thought about this when I made the decision to do comedy. I was on the elliptical at Force Fitness in Ridgewood, Queens. Shout out Force Fitness. <laughs> I was on the elliptical working out like a stepmom and I was hitting those calories and I was going hard. Go hard or go home. That's always been who I am. And I was on the elliptical and I had been thinking about the idea of doing comedy for years, but I didn't have the balls to do it. And I said, Chris, something popped in my head. I was listening to Fallout Boy on the, my headphone. It was I, you know, at an iPod back then. I was listening to Fallout Boy, and I something about the beat and the song gave me this adrenaline rush, and I started thinking about being on stage, trying stand up. And I said, once you get off this elliptical, once you hit your forty-five minutes, you're going to get off. You're going to go back to your mother's house where you live. You're going to take a shower and you're going to go find an open mic and you're going to do this now. And I said, I'm doing it. And I did it. I went and found the Creek in the Cave when it was Long Island City, Queens. Oh. Shout out Rebecca Trent. First open mic. And I walked into that open mic of 2010 and I saw a young Mark Norman, a young Sam Morrill, a young Michael Che, all open micers. Nobody knew any. And I knew they, they had already been doing it. And I was like, these guys are great. And I went in there, did my five minutes, absolutely bombed. But I said, I'm not turning back and I'm going to go on this journey of comedy. And when I put this watch on, something like teleported me back there and was like, dude, that decision, you went from the elliptical to affording this watch with jokes. And I was like, be proud of yourself. Don't, if, you know, one of my close friends, like you're a fucking douche for that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let that shit get in. I, I'm proud of this. Wait a minute. Your friend said you were a douche yeah. for buying the watch? He said I was a douche. He was like, you're fucking, <laughs> there's kids starving all over. I was like, I give money to charity too. Like, I, I just felt like, why are you making, I said- Oh, I, that's a ridiculous hater gesture. I didn't even negotiate with him. In my head, I said, don't let him, that's his problem. I said, you're proud to do this. You're happy, I'm happy about this. I feel, I feel, I always beat the shit out of myself. I feel proud of myself for, for co letting comedy get me. To this, I, I, I feel proud. You deserve that. Yeah, and I never really feel proud. Thought. The yeah. idea that you should never engage in any luxury at all—it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's silly. I, it's, and yeah. people somehow or another think like that you should give all of your money away because people are starving. But that's not going to fix anything. Like you got to fix things systemically. You got to fix things at literally at the the level. You have to be boots on the ground and wherever the problem is. Yeah. The idea that you not buying that watch at some other keeping someone poor is so stupid. Yeah, it's it's not, <laughs> nothing to do with me. It's like, like if you're either playing the game of capitalism <clears throat> or you're not, you know. And everybody who works for a living is playing the game. You might not like the game. You might think the game's unfair. Right. But you can't get mad if somebody buys something nice. You want to buy something nice too. People like nice things. You just like everybody has their own nice things. For yeah. some people, it's a nice guitar. With other people, yeah. it's a watch. With some people, it's a nice house. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's like, you know what? One part of me buys an expensive watch. The other part of me buys homeless people ice cream. I'm, there you go. I have you duality. Did, yeah, you really did. You covered both of them already. Where my friend who's hating on me, he's not doing anything. He's what like, does he do? Works for sanitation. Yeah. DSNY. Shout out sanitation. Garbage men are, are you know, they're out there. But, you know, he's, he's angry every day. You ever heard the quote that all criticism is the tragic result of unmet needs? I've used that way too much lately. That's the last time. All criticism. I'm going to take a break. The tragic result of unmet needs. It's okay. a, that's an abbreviation. It's, the full quote is actually more eloquent. What's your favorite quote? I feel like you're a quote. You, you're Joey quotes. <sighs> I don't have a favorite quote. I mean, it's, it's amazing that there's so many of them out there, though, that you can get them off your phone instantaneously. Like, people mock, like, meme quotes and inspirational quotes. <clears throat> 
But if you could find out about Socrates in like a five-second little Instagram yeah. photo, and you, you read a quote, and you're like, wow, that's pretty profound. Yeah. And then you go and read more of Socrates, and then next thing you know, you're like reading his books. Yeah. Or you're reading, you know, uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelio. It's oh, like that's a wild book that's applicable stoic? today. That's sick. That's my favorite follow. <clears throat> that's Stoic Instagram. Oh, Stoic is great. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Holiday is great, too. Oh, yeah, Ryan Holiday, yeah. It, th- this he looks book- like the guy that killed four college students in Idaho. <laughs> he does. That's who I thought it was. I was like, oh, the stoic is a mass murderer. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> He's out. He's writing books about just yeah. being cool about everything. But Did you hear that, by the way, with Idaho? They're thinking about bringing back the firing squad if he gets convicted. Oh, my God. Well, they think he might have killed people in Washington State, too. Is that where it was? It was somewhere else. There was a, another place where he lived where a similar, similar crime took place, and they think he was studying... Um, a crime in 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 college in right. order to get better at it. Right. It's really evil. It's an evil, scary story. Yeah. If if all this they're, they're accusing him is ac- of uh, is accurate, it's horrific. That right. That guy was out there. Right. Dude, you want to hear a wild story? So my mom had a friend. Let's okay. see if we could find out if that's true though. Yeah. Which part? The part where um <clears throat> they think that he might have committed a similar crime. <clears throat> Excuse me. Somewhere else. Here we go. See, this is what's happening now on an intermittent fasting stomach. I'm going to start getting crazy. It's going to, uh, it might get bad in you here. Want to take another sniff? Why the hell not? All right, here we go. Ready? Oh, that was deep. Oh. Joey went in. I went in. Okay. Get in there, Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Jamie? No. No, no, Jamie, Jamie said no. I didn't. I didn't even get his full name out before no was coming out of his. Jamie, mouth. that one burned. That one fogged up my glasses. <sighs> that one burned, baby. I get it, dude. I want to lift right now. I want to do some deadlifts. I, I seriously like. <laughs> yeah, like I want to fucking. Do I want to. Yeah, put the lid on it. I want to. I want to like start doing jujitsu with you. I don't even know how to do it. There's nothing like the, a freshie when you open them up fresh. That when, is a freshie. Yeah, when you when you let them sit for a while, they lose a lot of their potency. Like we had one that was here for a few months and it had lost a lot of kick. But damn, when you open them I fresh. I don't see anything about other crimes. I'm trying, I'm looking still. Um, I believe it was where he was originally going to school. Yeah, it said he was Washington State. Yeah, uh, but just did you Google may have possibly <laughs> committed similar crime in Washington State? Washington crime. Okay. Just Google may have possibly committed, wanted for possibly committing similar crime. A lot of serial killers come from this part of the country. He could be major link to other murders. This is it. And this is in Newsweek. Okay. Oh, it says um, new evidence uh, recovered may be a major link to the Idaho murders. He's been accused of fatally stabbing University of Idaho students. The search warrant, which was reported by the New York Times, discussed several items which were taken from his residence. Do, 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 do. Where is the thing about the other cases? Oh, here it is. Attending <clears throat> another place. And December 30th, he was arrested at his parents' residence in Pennsylvania. It, um, extradited to Idaho, where he's currently charged. Koberger was attending Washington State University at the time of the murders. Yeah, he looks like the guy from the Stoic. But there was some, he does looks a lot yeah, like him. But Ryan Holiday's quite a bit more handsome. It's Ryan like Holiday's his, his, his me, older like me yeah. brother. Ryan Holiday, hottie with a body. But uh, <clears throat> it says Pennsylvania was sifting through cold cases for links to him. Mm, oh, it was Pennsylvania. Mm, mm. That's where he was found. Interesting. 
Yeah, that's what, yeah, they pulled him over and uh, it was in his parents' house. And because remember, the media was saying, we don't know, we don't have any leads, but the FBI was following him across the country. Yeah, they can't just leak. Yeah, you can't do that. They're in the middle of an investigation of a fucking psycho. But it is wild, like with these, these, you know, he's famous now for these murders, but as you said, could be stuff before. My mom had a friend, right? Grew up in um, Utah. Seven, maybe she's 18, 19 years old, uh, whatever year of 70s, 80s, whatever. Goes on a date with a guy, right? Normal date, just met him, I think, at the supermarket. Goes on a date with this guy, and she's um, at the table with him, and she feels very, like, a ominous feeling looking at this man. She's like, I'm looking at him, and I can see, like, there's nothing behind his eyes. Like, there's just something that I don't like about this guy. So to the point where she has never done this, you know, had never, she was only 18, but since this has never done this, she went to a payphone at the restaurant, called her brother and was like, can you please come pick me up like immediately and stayed in the bathroom until her brother was outside and went in the car and left. And wow. she was like, I'm just creeped out by this guy. I can't explain it. I'm creeped out. All this energy. I'm creeped out, creeped out. Now he had, this man had picked her up from her house. So the brother had a paper route. He's leaving the next morning at 5 a.m., sees some ruffling in the bushes, okay? Crazy, right? Like whatever, sees a guy running out of the bushes, says, holy shit, whatever, runs back in the house, tells his mom and dad, sister wakes up, says he was wearing like a beige jacket. She's like, that's the guy I was on a date with. Like that, he was like waiting. He must have been like waiting for me, right? Whatever. Goes on, life goes on. What a psycho, lunatic boyfriend. Three years later, Ted Bundy on the news face she was on a date with ted bundy before he had committed any murders or, or, or he had committed murders but had not been famous for it yet had not been convicted of it yet she said when he saw him he she literally almost fell out of her chair because she was like that look she said that ted bundy about you know how you know everyone says he's so handsome whatever she said he would get a look over him when he was preying on a victim, which she was felt she was being preyed on, that she doesn't even look, he's like, he does not look like that. His face configures and contorts to something that looks so sinister that she literally was like, get me away from him now. So I was like, whoa, fucking Teddy B. Imagine you on a Holy date with Ted, with a young Teddy B. That'd be fucking nuts, dude. So he had already committed murders. If, so he was already, and yep. so he was looking to murder her and he was giving that energy yep. out. She said, you know, based off when all his crimes were exposed from what the FBI said when she went on a date with him, let's say it was 1978, he had already been convicted, uh, connected to murders in other parts of that. Because his first murders were in like the Utah region and that's where they were. Holy shit. Wild, right? Holy shit. Dude, fucking, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts. And then I think I might have said this on the last one, but T.T. Jerry, when she was in prison, served prison time with the son of Sam. She shared a wall with the son of Sam. Two murderers. She shared a wall with the son of Sam and um, uh, Ronald DeFeo from the Amityville Horror House, the man who killed all those people in the, you know, the movie The Amityville Horror, who was really based off Ronald DeFeo. She was in prison with both of them at the same time. And the prisoners from Escape from Danamora, who like that um, Showtime show that they made. So she was in like real deal prisoners. But she said the son of Sam... Now, this was months before the Netflix documentary came out. T.T. Jerry said, she's like, you know, the son of Sam, David, did not, did not kill all those people. He was involved in a cult. There were other murderers, but they, the, the city pinned it all on him. And then a few months later, this Netflix documentary comes out, came out a couple of years ago, basically saying that 
most likely son of Sam did not kill all those people. He killed maybe one or two, but there was other murderers that just got away with it. Do you know the Henry Lee Lucas story? Henry Lee Lucas. Well, Henry uh, Lee Lucas, they made a film about him called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Okay. And it, it's a guy who got arrested for 62 murders. And he was basically a drifter and he was traveling across the country murdering people. Okay. But they think that what really happened was they came up to him and they said, you know, hey, Henry, you know, there was a few people that were killed behind the bushes in Indianapolis in 76. We'd sure love to solve that crime. Was that you? Was, yep, that's me. I killed them too. Well, how, did you do it with a knife? Because we found a knife. Yep, knife. Killed him with a knife. Yeah. And this guy was basically a dullard and may may have killed people. Like, may you know, a right. lot of drifters have killed people. But it seems like, the, Google that, make sure I'm correct on this. I think now they think that they attributed a bunch of crimes to him that he couldn't possibly have committed. It's a wild Look at thing. This. The yeah. depraved serial killer who confessed to hundreds of murders. See, right. this is it. So it was more than 62, which is what he was, I think he was originally charged with. 600 people. Okay. Drawn together by shared childhood trauma, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole became lovers, then serial killers who terrorized America in the 1970s. So it's, but... He confessed to hundreds of murders, but they think that some of them he couldn't possibly have done. But did he stay in prison for the rest of his life because of it? Uh, yeah, he. I think they might have killed him in prison. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he. I don't know if he's still alive. But see, see if he got. Um, if that's a story that they got him to confess to a bunch of murders that he couldn't have actually done. That's a common thing, though, right? People yeah. confess to stuff all the time. You know, I, I, there's a show on Apple TV. It was called Blackbird. It just came out last year. It's about a real story about a guy who what his tactic would be is, is, is he murdered a lot of people, but he would, he would say to the police, oh, I murdered that girl in that county. I'm confessing to it. But then they would go through the research and be like, no, you couldn't have possibly. But he would cop to it. And then the cops would be like, he did that like five times. And they'd be like, every county he was investigating, they'd be like, that's what he does. He confesses to murders. He's a bullshitter. But he really was killing people. He was using, he was confessing to false ones so he could get away with the real ones. Holy Wild, shit. right? Holy yeah. shit. So it's like some of these guys are so smart. Cool Dude, the show Black, Holy this guy, shit. this actor, I think it's William Hauser, uh, something. Good. This is one of the best actors in my generation. No, Joe, I don't know if you know this guy. This guy's acting is like um, Daniel Day-Lewis level. He is a phenomenal actor. When you really? watch the show Blackbird, you cannot believe it. Where I'm like... And this is on Apple Plus? Apple yeah. TV. It, this Very is good. one of the best shows I've seen. Wow. Came out last summer. This, no shit. This kid is literally like phenomenal. And then, and then I'm watching 101 Dalmatians a day later with my kids, and he's in that. I'm like, look at this fucking lunatic. He plays uh, Richard Jewell in yes. the uh, Richard Jewell movie about the Olympic Park bombing. Yep. Wow. Unbelievable actor. He was also in that, in that sketch show, I Think You Should Leave, on Netflix, which is one of the funniest sketch shows I've ever seen in my life. He's got great sketches in that. That guy, but that show, Blackbird... Yeah. Was uh, it's unbelievable. So basically, what happens is this guy who uh, who's from um, he's from a bunch of movies. This kid is ripped, by the way. Yeah. This kid has to be intermittent fasting. He's in the watch, not the Watchmen. The uh, uh, the um, you, with uh, with um, yeah, Samuel Jackson's in it. Yeah. It's um, it's a famous movie, and he's excellent in it. But basically, the premise of it's it's based on a true story. This guy, the guy, the, the hottie with the body, he gets convicted ten years in prison for gun charges. I think he's guy out of Massachusetts. 
So, and he was a good con man, right? This is all real. Good con man, could, you know, gift a gab, whatever. So the FBI wants to pin the, the guy with the mutton chops, Hauser. They want to pin Larry Hall is his name in real life. They want to pin murders on him. They know that they've kind of caught up to his game now. They know that he lies about murders here to commit murders here. They know it, but they got to convict. They got to get him to confess to one of these murders because they found the girl's body because he was killing kids, like 14-year-old girls, like brutal shit, raping them. Horrific. So they say to this kid, to the, to the jacked guy, they say, look, you got the gift of gab. You got 10 years in federal prison, okay? You're three months into your sentence. We're going to transfer you to this maximum security prison where Larry Hall is. If you can get him to confess to the murder of this girl that we have evidence on, and you can get that, your sentence is commuted immediately and you're out of prison. That's all you got to do. But he was in a minimum security prison, so he would be able to either coast through 10 years or take a chance and go to the prison with murderers, rapists, and potentially be murdered in the shower stall. But if he can convince, get this guy, gift a gab, and get him to confess, then he'll get out. Holy shit. And that's what the show's about. And it was, dude, amazing show. Like, wow. edge of my seat. It was one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. That, that's uh, that's I wanna awesome. Watch it. I want to watch it again on Smelling Salts. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm, I'm fucking pumped about that. I've been looking for a new show. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, before, let me just finish the thought about Jerry. What I want to say is the son of Sam thing. He said, you know, he was a serial killer. Yes. And don't get me wrong. Murderer, you know, deserves to be in prison. He said the biggest fucking lunatic. Like he was like the only person who I met. I was like, this guy needs to be like either put to death or kept like in a cage, like under the jail. He said was Ronald DeFeo, who the Amityville Horror House guy, because he said he would cook for him all the time, Ronald DeFeo, and he would like let Ronald DeFeo like jerk off to me. They would put like a prison mirror and he would like, because he was trans, Jerry, so he would shake his ass a little bit and let Ronald like get his rocks off, whatever, he didn't care. He said, but every morning he would make Ronald DeFeo Jr. like a little breakfast and his little, you know, they had like little um, hot, hot stoves in there. They would let prisoners like Jerry, after you did enough time give you some stuff. He'd make little bacon and stuff for him. And he said, every morning, like clockwork, seven days a week, every morning, bring Ronald his food and say, how was your, how was your night, Ronald? How are you feeling? He was like, good. I feel good. I just, I, I didn't kill my grandma. It's the only thing. I just, I, I killed everyone in that house, but I did not get my grandma. So, but everything else, other than that, it's good. And Jerry would be like, okay. And then keep moving. So he's like, still, he's in prison for the, and that is true. The only one he didn't kill in that house, the grandma either got out or wasn't there, but he was he was like, there's no rehabilitation for that man. He genuinely believes if he does not kill his, he would say to him, if I don't kill my grandma, I'm not getting into heaven. So he had it warped. He killed his entire family. And he's like, that's how I get to heaven. But I got to get the grandma. And then he died in prison recently. But I was like, whoa, 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 shit. I know it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, there's people that are just not wired correctly. Dude, why? Well, that's seen... that's that's a real problem yeah. with this homeless situation. That's a real problem with like uh, this guy in Idaho. Yeah, there's people that are just pedophiles. By the way, shout out to the FBI for finding that guy. Thank you, thank you, because yeah. the FBI takes a lot of shit, justifiably for yeah. you know like agent provocateur accusations. Yeah. at the Capitol's riot, but the fact that they caught this fucking psycho. It shows you how yeah. necessary they are. The FBI is the FBI. They okay? need to be there. Like, you can't say, let's disband the FBI. Jesus fucking Christ. Listen, here, here's like, the thing. But people think like that. It's the same as defund the police, defund <laughs> this, defund the military. Like, settle the fuck down. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you hear people go off, they're just regurgitating things they hear on social right. media. It's like, what do you think? The American justice system is the best justice system in the world. The FBI is the top. The U.S. military is the top of the top. Like, what are we talking about here? 
You know, like Man, I, it's not perfect. No one's course, saying it, no, no one's saying it's perfect. Yeah, but the 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 defunding thing, I don't just don't agree. I see what the results are no. when it comes to police. Yeah, it's a, not a good result. No, and dude. if they don't change course, this is bad. No, dude, I've been yelling it's refund. I yell refund the police. I'm in. I I they love need the to police. Be trained and yeah. it needs to be a, a position that's difficult to acquire that gets respected. Now, how you make that shift? But it's got to be like. You know, people are terrified of this concept of militarizing the police, and rightly so. You don't want right. tanks rolling down the street and martial law and dictators who are essentially, you know, yeah. they used to be governors, and now they're dictators and they're controlling populations. Yeah. No thanks. You don't want that. But you don't want untrained people in that role, and you don't want people that don't have... A, a real clear understanding of what to do in any scenario. So they have to run drills the same way they do it in the military. Right. In the military, they're constantly training. They, if you're in a special operations group, like my friends that have been the SEALs, they, they fucking constantly train yeah. for any scenario they're trying to do. Right. Any any like breach they're trying to get into a house, they train. They have That's a thing that police should be doing too all the time. Yeah. Jocko Willink, who was uh, I know a Jocko. Navy SEAL sure, commander, of who's the fucking... He's the man. I love yeah. that guy to death. Yeah. But one of the things that he said is like, you have to train people in order for them to be able to respond in high pressure situations. Right. So you have to train them of all the possible scenarios. And by the way, you should be able to have some sort of physical confrontation. You cannot be completely unskilled physically and be a police officer and be 100% effective. No. When you see those people, when they get tackled and guys get on top of them, they don't know what to do. And you're right. like, how do you not have any understanding of grappling and you're engaged in these physical altercations with people? Right. Like Andrew Yang said, you should be at least a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. I agree I with that. Said, which is a great concept yeah the purple belt's a very proficient level of jiu-jitsu yeah. yes 100 percent. you should know how to defend yourself but you should also be like well funded and well trained that it should be a more prestigious position i think we put cops in the same category that we put like teachers sometimes right we need them we know we need them but we don't like really care and support them right and we only look at them when they do terrible things yeah i i think too i think it's in germany they have to go through two years of schooling and training to become a police officer. I think with NYPD, I think it's only six months. Well, Germany went through some shit. I don't know if you know. Yeah, Germany. They had, uh, they had a hard time with some bad policing. Yeah, yeah. Germany, they, 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 as the kids say, came out the pocket. Germany. Jesus they, they went a little wild for a little. Could what you can you imagine living in Germany now and going, wait a minute, what did we do? Yeah. Like, how long ago was that? Yeah. 80 years ago? Yeah. What the fuck? Dude, how about this? I'm from a place in New York, Ridgewood, Queens, right? It's like Queens, Brooklyn, but Ridgewood, right? Big time German neighborhood. When I grew up, like my mom's German, you know, hardcore German. When I grew up, it was the Germans were like fading away, but still somewhat there. There was a German man who lived across the street from me, like 98-year-old guy. So 1937, 1937 or 38, the Nazis sold out Madison Square Garden. Yes, I've they, seen that. The rally, right? The bakery that's still there in my neighborhood was the one that catered it oh, for the Nazis. Because this is before, this is pre-Holocaust Nazis. Right. No is one not, knew what the Nazis were going to be. This is just a political party. Right. So, that, so then when I asked. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, the, the bakery what, in my neighborhood. What did yeah. they stand for then? Did what they stand for alter over time? Like were the Nazis always anti-Jew and, and no. about the Aryan race? Or no. did that become that? No, it became that. It was just pro-Germany. It was oh. we were ravaged by, Germany was ravaged World War One. 
high inflation. So all all Hitler and the Nazi Party did was say, "We're going back pro-German. This everything's coming through Germany. Jobs coming through Germany. Germany, Germany, Germany." So people looked at that and saw patriotism and nationalism in the United States. And said, "I fuck with that. I support that." Uh, the Holocaust and all that came very quickly a couple of years later, but that was not the message. That's back then. why people are so scared of nationalism. That's why yeah. people are so scared of powerful, yeah. like charismatic leaders, because like that is yeah. a, that's a piece of history that's repeated over and over and over again. It, it, I mean, it, how many times yeah. in history has genocide been committed? If you told a 1935 German that, hey, in six years, you're going to be gassing and exterminating fellow German citizens that are Jewish, they would say, not possible. That's <sighs> not going to happen. But then it did. Just like the same. If you told someone in 1855, hey, f six years from now, you're going to be a civil war. Brothers are going to be killed. They would say, no. No, that's not going to happen. And then, boom, it happens. Look at this. Yep. Madison Square Garden pro-American rally. Yep. And and let me tell you something. What so the I, Nazi was a pro-American rally? Pro-American rally catered by the bakery in my neighborhood. So I know one thing for sure at this rally, they had excellent Linzer tarts. The Linzer tarts <laughs> in that bakery, I mean, uh, unbelievable. How weird. Yeah, look at that. I mean, so yeah. strange. So that's the thing is like, you know, and I get it. Like today's society, like the kids, you know, they'll just get a five second clip on TikTok and think they know the history of the world. They, they're not reading the books. They're not doing the research. You know, I watch this stuff and it's, it's, it's you know, no excuse for what the Germans did. It was horrifying. Why, why are they beating this guy up? What's going on? He rushed the stage, I think. He rushed uh, the stage. So. Yeah, he rushed. Yeah, he rushed the stage that said, um, "You know, climate change is real." <laughs> the big <laughs> sign. So there's always been like Antifa characters. Even From day in, one, there's always been the protesters. Well, well, yeah, but like radical ones like this yeah. that did rush oh, the yeah, stage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing too. When you start to get into history, you realize like everything happens. It's just different characters. You know, it's different reasons why, but it's the same mindset, same personalities. It's so it's interesting. Look how thin everyone is. Yeah, yeah. There's everyone my grandfather so dancing in the yeah, back. I think those are kids. No, those are kids. They yeah. are kids. But look how thin the kids are. If you had a oh, group yeah. of kids like that today, what are the odds they're going to be thin? I know. Kids look so healthy back then. Like, look, all the people. If you look I at know. all the people, like, none of them are obese. No, none of them are obese. Look at that. The guy has no pants on. No, yeah, he's just fully butt naked. He's, they're screaming, ah. Yeah. Well, probably mentally ill, too. And look, they There's have a picture. Mentally of, Ill people. And then you see they had George Washington in the back. Yeah. That was wow. the background because they were honoring. They, they, The Germans and the Americans at that time believed. Oh, you know, dude, I read a book called The Nazi Symbiosis that um, kind of said that um, the president, uh, you know, uh, uh, Winston Churchill and FDR knew about the Holocaust stuff happening. They, they knew about it. You know, they had their intelligence, right? Secret Service, whatever. And they knew about it. But the, the Holocaust in initial stages, horrific, can't state that enough, but was yielding medical results. They were getting like- What? Yeah, they were like different, I don't know the exact ones, but there were different types of medications that we use today came out of the Holocaust, different types of lab results. They were, because they were just using them as guinea pigs, human oh. beings. So it was yielding Jeez. results. And so they were allowing it to happen. It wasn't until Hitler crossed the line, I mean, crossed the line from the beginning, but went, stopped yielding results and just started gassing everybody, did Churchill and everybody say, okay, now we gotta go in. So nobody's innocent, you know what I mean? Nobody's innocent in the war. You know, like I just did a whole, I do a segment on, I, I do a YouTube thing called Christeries, where I do a history thing, and I just did the rape of Nan King. Oh my if you know, God, I do know about that. So I was getting so much shit on the internet from Japanese people saying that what I am spewing is disinformation, and I'm like, there's pictures and video, there's pictures of Japanese soldiers bayoneting Chinese babies in front of their family. So I'm not, it's not disinformation, it's just, you have to accept history as it is, like, 
every group, whoever has power, will act in a certain way that's not right. It's a human thing. Most groups do that. And it's not just one thing. Like, I feel like we live in a society now where it's like only one group of people were the bad guys throughout history. It's like, no, 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 no. Everybody's been a bad guy at some point. It's just who had power when. Well, I think we're just aware of human nature now right. in a different way. You know, like if you look at the work of like guys like Steven Pinker that talk about like sure. crime and history, yeah. and, and if you look at the, the, the trend, everything is going to a less violent, safer place sure. to live yep. with less crime. I agree. But our history is so filled with it. Mm-hmm. It's so filled with horrific actions in war. If you just go from the, the moment people started writing things down, they're writing down the history of war. They're writing down the history of conquest. Yeah. They're writing down the history of raids. They're writing down. Yeah. It's it's all, it's like baked into people. Yeah. And if you give people, especially back then with no internet, right? Oh no way. Yeah. No way for other people to find out. No way. Unless the, the newspapers are reporting on it. Unless you have boots on the ground. You have to yeah. have photographs. You have to have video. It's so hard for the truth to get out. So they could do whatever the fuck they wanted if they had the guns. Yeah. If they pulled it. They, and people have, it's almost like... If you put us in that scenario, you put us in the scenario of war, it's like a program that just gets activated in our yeah. minds and we can we can murder in other people very easily. Yeah. There's programs that like one one of the things you find out when you hunt, all right, the first time I ever went hunting, I sh- I shot this deer and I was like, "Oh, wow. Like yeah. this is like you took a, a life program in the brain that we're going to eat this now." Yeah. That you go after something you de- and when you're yeah. successful, it's like it recognizes that there's this area of your mind that has always existed, sure. There's an area of your mind that's always existed. It just hasn't been activated by action. Right. And then once it hits there, it's like, oh, there's a historical precedent for this 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 mindset. Right. There's a historical precedent for this vibe. This is the like hunter gatherer vibe. And yeah. You're like, wow. People get it when they catch a fish. When you catch a fish, there's this like feeling like, whoa. It's this exciting feeling. Yeah. And it's like a, you're you're tapping into some human reward mechanisms that have always existed. Interesting. Yeah. See, I've never went. I've never went hunting, and I've never done anything like that. But I wonder if I start. I if I should, because I want to get. I I got one spin on this planet. I want to experience it all. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I kind of, I've never done a drug in my life. Well, I don't think you should go to war because we were talking about that originally. <laughs> well, that, don't, yeah. don't tap into that one. That I can't do because I have a neck issue. <laughs> I, so I, <laughs> but, but like I start to think about like, you know, I want to do the ayahuasca. I want to do things safely. Like, you know, what about, like, would you ever think about microdosing heroin? Um, I I think you would have to do it with someone like Dr. Carl Hart, who actually knows what you know what's real, what's not. You, you'd have to test it, and you have to be really wary about the idea that you could possibly get addicted to it. Like I don't know what I don't know why people get hooked on pain pills, but okay. I can't imagine that I'm above that. I can't imagine that if I didn't get hurt and I started taking those things, that they wouldn't get me. They right. get so many people. I, I have so many friends that have had problems trying to get off those things after they have had surgery, been right. injured. I would worry. I would right. worry about that. I would, wor- I, would, I would worry I'd like it, too. Right. I'd worry I'd like it because it doesn't seem like it sucks. Well, I think about that with, yeah, I've, I've never been addicted to pain pills or drugs, but I have been addicted to Nutella. I've been addicted to pizza. <laughs> no, but I love the— but it could, Right. Because if you told mild. me— mild— If you told me, Chris, you can never have Nutella or pizza again because 
it's going to cost you your family, I'd be like, I don't know if I could do it. I'm going to get mad. Well, I think painkillers and drugs is like that for certain people. So whatever you're addicted to, even if it's positive, they it's their brain chemistry is attached to it in the same way that you need to eat elk or whatever it may be. Well, I you think know? we're talking on a spectrum here because the Nutella I, spectrum is like the, the smallest right. measurement versus the heroin where you have bone aches and you're fucking shaking <laughs> yeah. like a leaf and sweating because you right. need to get your fix. Right. Somewhere in the middle of that, you know. Is, is it, but I think the addict, you know, is like, uh, I think it's just like, it's because yeah. we're just all different chemistry, right? Like, right. Isn't it wild? Like, I don't, your brain sees, might even see the color red different than I see it. Right. It's fucking nuts. It's nuts. Like, no, you are having a totally different experience than me. Right. You know? Well, you, you clearly see that when you see what people are really interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, like people that watch darts all day. Yeah. You know, it's like, you yeah. know, there's things that people love that I just don't understand why you're interested in that at all. But that's okay. Like, there's music that I, I'm not interested in. Yeah. And I used to think it sucked. Yeah. But now I realize, no, it doesn't suck. It's just like, it's not what I like. And me thinking that it sucks, unless it actually does suck. Unless, you know, there's some things that just suck. Do you like the band The 1975? Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't, but I have to pee so bad. Unfortunately, I've been drinking a lot of water lately, and I've barely made it an hour in this one, right? All right. One hour? So we should go pee? I'll piss, and we'll come back. All right. I wear this, uh, we up? I wear this fanny pack so often, people think it's a joke. They think I'm joking. I'm like, no, I have literally forgot I had it on. Yeah. And I was like, where's my fanny pack? Did I leave it in my truck? I'm like, oh, it's right there. What, and what do you just, you just like it better than pockets, a yes. fanny pack? Yeah. Yeah. You just unzip it, you zip it up, nothing falls out of it. So it's I got, right there. Um, I'm hosting a show comes out March 7th on Vice, about 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we do a whole um, thing about fanny packs because they were huge in the 80s and 90s, Yeah, like retro stuff, and I'm happy that they're coming back. I never let it go, bitch. I like Th- that. There's photos of me in the 2000s, early 2000s wearing fanny packs. Fanny like, pack. Fuck, fuck you. This is like super convenient. Just Joey fanny the packs. I- the idea that like, oh, it looks stupid. Okay, yeah. then I look stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I like it. Why am I caring? What kind of a bitch cares that he looks stupid because there's a thing that he likes that yeah. other people think looks dumb? Like, I don't give a well, fuck. Well, that, that's what I was, I brought up, you know, the 1975, they're my favorite band. Like, okay, here's what happened. This band, a lot of girls like them and gay guys. Okay. But I love them. I love this band. They are the only, it's the only time music has helped. I was going through a bad breakup and the 1975 helped me through this breakup. And the, and, and ever since then, I've just listened to them. They've spoke to me. I love the 1975 like you cannot believe. Is I, there a song you recommend that we uh, should try? Chocolate. Uh, I love chocolate. I love their song Sex. I love Paris. I love um, Tonight I Wish I Was Your Boy. Um, let's th- go with chocolate because it's go an with ongoing cho- theme. Chocolate is the big one. Oh, because it's on Spotify. So there, you know, you could just play music here. It's Allegedly. No, no big we'll see deal. What, happens. what do you think of this? We're, You've heard this before. I have. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard this before. Let it, let it hit. Jamie, you've heard the 1975, right? Jamie knows. What do you think? The song's about weed. Chocolate is weed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool haircut. That's Matty Healy, the lead singer. Handsome looking fellow. Good looking kid. He kisses boys on stage, but he's not gay. Good for him. Seriously. Not for everybody, but I love it. I like it. Never gonna quit it now. So, this song specifically. You had. 
took me from a dark place. You, like a, a, you were in a dark place. A genuinely, Joe, like I mean genuinely, like very, 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 the, one of the toughest places I've been in my life. That song specifically, I have no idea, no rhyme or reason why. I just heard it. And I said, this genuinely makes me feel better. And I got hooked. Really? I got hooked on the band and I, and, and I got, I love this band. They're the only band that I've ever paid money to see. I saw them at MSG. I was so excited. Like I, I went with my girlfriend, Jasmine, and she was like, you're like the only guy here. I was like, I don't give a shit. I fucking love this band. This is how much I love this band. I found out that the lead singer saw, I had a, the only comedy bit I've had that went viral is my Chris Stefano 9-11 story. He saw it. He said, not for me. Just not his comedy's not for me. Don't give a shit at all. Don't give a shit at all. Even though I know the lead singer of the band doesn't think I'm funny at all. I'm like, I still fuck with this band. Good for you. And I don't care. And 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 my friends make fun of me all the time. I'm like, you know what? I don't give a shit. That band, the 1975, makes me happier than any other piece of music I've ever listened to in my life. And I'm not afraid to say it. And you know what? Maybe I am gay. Maybe I am. Let that sit there for a little bit. There was a lot. There was a lot that happened there. Maybe I am. You decided through that music that you were gonna. You needed a reason to pull yourself out of the dark, and that music yeah. was like the catalyst, right? Yeah. So you were looking for something. Yeah. It could have been Barbra Streisand. It could have been anybody. It could have been the way we were. Two, two, two musicians have changed my life from a from from have made me go from the light to the dark, uh, from the dark to the light. It is the, <laughs> it is the 1975, and it is Whitney Houston. <laughs> Those are the two. Whitney Houston's a wild story, man. Did you ever see the documentary about her? Did you see that? Didn't Joey Diaz used to sell yeah, her He's got a fun coke. story. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Martin. And yeah. Joey Diaz is a man I need to meet. After the Grammys. Or you never met Joey I've Diaz? I've never once in my life met Joey Diaz. I know he lives in Jersey now. Doesn't want to do... I, I want to try... My friend Brian Morton, good friends with Joey Diaz... I just want to go take Joey to lunch. I'm not looking to do content. Well, I just want to get to meet Joey Diaz. Let's talk. We'll talk afterwards. Okay. We're, Joey's going to be coming out here when the club's opening up soon, and when Joey comes out here, we'll have yeah. him come out here too. Okay. Get I would you, the two of you guys together because because to when I guy. listen to him, I'm like, that sounds like my dad's friends. Yeah. You know that that is my father and his friends sitting around a barbecue telling stories. They all love Joey Diaz. He's the best. Um. Yeah. It's an original human being. No, no, original. And, and so I, I don't know if you, that documentary, by the way, Whitney Houston, I think personally, one of the most beautiful women of all time. To me, the most beautiful women of all time, Whitney Houston, Gwen Stefani, and I'm not trying to be funny, a young Barbara Walters. That's a good list. Yep. If you're into Barbara Walters. I like that. But she, yeah, she was stunningly beautiful. But what's crazy is that like drugs took her down. Like someone that talented. That talent. Isn't it eerie, too? She died drowning death in the bathtub, then her daughter dies drowning death in the bathtub. Isn't that eerie? It's horrible. But do, I don't know if the documentary actually says that Whitney Houston was sexually molested by her aunt oh, as a child, which you Christ. don't ever really hear a female child being molested by another female child. Oh. And it was Dionne Warwick's sister was oh, her aunt who molested God. her and that they believe Whitney Houston a struggle with her drug abuses because she was a lesbian. But oh. but then the scientists say, well, was she a lesbian or was she molested at a young age by a woman and then, you know, yeah. warped her sexual kind of part of her brain. And now she thinks she is, but she's not. Very interesting, God. but but I personally think that the 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 best voice of all time and that another the 1975 I saw in an interview once said that they loved they were inspired by Whitney Houston. I said this is my fucking band, dude. This is my band. And then even meet and greets. I would do meet and greets after shows, and I would just feel I couldn't articulate it, but I would feel disgusting 
doing the meet and greets. And I would feel like I'm doing these meet and greets and I'm stealing these people's money. And I, I, I hate the way I feel in my skin doing these meet and greets. And I've agreed to them and I hate them. And I was counting down the shows to when they were gone because I said, I'm giving you my performance. I'm proud of my comedy. But to, to make you you know, charge you $25, take a picture with me. I feel disgusting. I would take the picture with you for free, but it was something that I wanted to try out and I regretted it. And then I saw an interview from Matty Healy of the 1975 talk about meet and greets. And I felt like he was talking directly to me. He said, and he articulated the way, he articulated what I was feeling. He said, here's the thing. If you're an artist and you're doing meet and greets, right? Whatever you want to do is fine, but here's, here's what it actually is. He said, instead of going through a third party or ticket master for the add-on fee of the meet-and-greet, why don't you take the picture with the fan after the show and then ask them to give you $25 cash and see how that makes you feel because that is exactly what you're doing. And I was like, bro, you just said what I felt. And I stopped the meet-and-greets immediately. And I have profoundly less money, and I, I do have to pay the loan back on this watch, but I do feel better as a person. Yeah, I have never did those. I, you never I did meet-and-greets? I used to do meet-and-greets for free. For, yeah, I would hang around and yep. take pictures with people. I would do it at the Chicago Theater where it was hours long lines. So I'd take photos with everybody. I did it, yep. but it was a different thing. It was free. I didn't. I would never do that. I just. I, I get that people see it as an extra source of revenue, and I get that they see it as something that people are willing to pay because they want to meet you and they want to take a photo with you. I get it all, and yeah. I'm not judging anyone. Yeah, it's just what it made me feel weird. No, I, I, it's know? it's one of the most shameful parts of the last uh, uh, of my career so far I didn't know any I did know okay. but I, but I, but I, now you know I like, got out of it, it quick and yeah, I hated people, myself people for talk it. you into it too they'll talk you yeah. into it they'll yeah. talk you into it cuz it's money for them and yeah you know it's one of those things is there's an industry around it and yeah. I'm not judging anybody who does it no just, me either me I just either. I can't think about stuff like but, that but I felt like now you know I feel like the the you know doing the show Having, you know, the fan, I believe they're, I give them the best show I can. So that's uh, hopefully worth the money for them. But not doing the meet and greet, even though it's less money, I don't care. I'm so much happier. I've made a decision because I don't want to miss time in my daughter's lives. I just don't. I got my kids, I'm my stepson. I, I just don't want to be away from them. And I understand, well, that's going to come with sacrifice and you may not ever be the best comedian of all time or do arenas. All that's fine. To me, not missing their jujitsu and yes. getting to do homework with them is worth it for me at this point in my life. Um, and so I'm okay with it. I just think worry about being the best you can on stage when you're up there. That's but what you I don't, do. You don't have to go out as much as some people do. They get crazy. And yeah. one of the beautiful things about living in New York City or one of the beautiful things about being in L.A. is you could always get on stage. Always. Every so night. It's like there's a thing that some guys do where they, um, you know, you, you, you'll go on tour for like a month. Yeah, you know, and I I get it. It's a lot of money, and a lot of my friends do it. Yep, and it's great because it's like you just get it over with. You go crazy, and then you can relax, yeah. and you made a ton of money. And yeah. then you also saw fans all over the world. Yeah, I don't, I can't do it. I do weekends. Yeah, yeah. I go that's out on the weekends and weekdays. I work out in town. Then you're and with your family. I've always, I've always done it in L.A. I would go a couple weekends a month. You so know, as successful just, as you've been. You 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 feel like you were you were still there almost at every good moment for your kid. You didn't miss as much. I didn't miss nearly as much as I would have missed if I was doing the road all the time. I I go out of my way to do uh, little things that my kids do, events and hang with them, and we right. have family time. Right. We try to watch movies together and do stuff together and play together. Like you gotta like have fun together. And I think if you're right. if you're gone for like long stretches. 
it, it, yeah. I, I don't like being gone for three days. Like, three days oh, fucks yeah. with my feelings. No, no, three no. Three days is, like, it, it makes me uncomfortable. No. And I love, like, doing stuff. Like, I love going on vacation. Vacations are some of my favorite times. Because then we're with each other 24-7. It's beautiful. And we get to fuck around and go swimming and do cool shit and yeah. go fishing and have fun. You know, he, it's like... You don't realize how quick it goes by, man. Right. It goes by so fast. I, Because I, I had uh, Louis C.K. on my Chrissy Chaos podcast. I know you've had him a bunch of times. I know you guys are friends. I, I was talking to Louis, and I was talking about how my daughters and my stepson are young right now. You know, we got 12, 7, and 1. They're kids. So I said, I don't want to go on the road so much right now because I want to be with them. And even though it's costing me money and my agent will be like, you got to add shows here. I'm like, no, I want to go home with my family. I want to yeah. be with my family. I know it's going to cost me money, but not everything in my life is money. I want to spend time with my kids. And, and, um, and so I said, but I figure, you know, when they get older, you know, and they're going to not want to hang out with me, right? So I said, that's when I'll, God willing, go on the world tour or whatever. And he said, you have that all wrong, man. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, take it from me. L Louis saying this. He's like, you know, I have daughters who are older in their 20s. He said, what happens is, is when they get older, yes, they want to they wanna go out and be with their friends and do that. And they don't need dad or mom as much as they did when they were your children's age. He said, but your time with them is actually so much more precious because they have less time to give you. So if you're on the world tour and they only had that hour a week to give you and you weren't home for it, well, now you've missed the opportunity for that hour with your kids because they were willing to give you a time, but you weren't there because you want... So he said, so the way you're thinking now, believe it or not, even if this means you won't you know, uh, uh, get to the world famous arena tour, he was like, you're doing the right thing. He said, Louis said, he was like, you know, I was on stage at the TD, Louis was on stage at the TD Garden. You know, he's like doing this arena tour and amazing and all that. And he was like, I could tell you, I just want to, you should only go around that arena tour, go around that top shelf one time. He was like, because you realize like th that you can't live up there. You got to hit a cruising altitude. You got, he was like, you got to, you got to be Chrissy cruising altitude. You got to <laughs> think, where am I going to live for the majority of my career? And he was like, that's where you want to be. Go up there. If you get an opportunity, go up there, taste the air. There's not a lot of oxygen up there. Use the Mount Everest example. You don't have a lot of oxygen at the top. You can't stay up there for long. But he said, if you get there, take the opportunity, but do it once. And then cruising altitude and have time with your family. He was like, you know, there's so many moments in my daughter's lives where I was making all this money and doing this, but I miss this or I miss that. And, you know, you have it in your mind right now. Like, I'm not going to miss things in my kids' lives so but it is hard because i'm like man i could you know be adding shows and making more money and be more successful but i'm like but i want to be in my kids jujitsu you know what yeah, i mean you I, also don't want to lose your mind yeah i don't like, a lot of guys lose their minds yeah they you know they go too hard they, they're they're out too long they're gone too too much well how do you feel i mean you're like you know it's got to be pressure to be where you are i mean i i i i would be amazing to get to a level like you but you got you know you can do whatever you want to do. Wherever you go, you can sell as many tickets as humanly possible and all that. And you have all the opportunity in the world. But do you ever feel like, you know, like, does there ever feel like you wake up and you're like, damn, I don't want to be this Joe Rogan? Do you ever feel that way? Well, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. That would, you just became who you I became. Don't, yeah, I don't think about, like, what I can't control. Right. Specifically. I, try, yeah. I concentrate on not doing that. Right. Then I just concentrate on what I can control. And, and, you, and when your time with your family, with your, you know, your family, you just say... I'm going to be with them when I'm with them and I'm going to give them 100% and then when I go on the road, it's 
it's for them kind of thing. Do you think like that? No. When I'm going on the road, I'm doing it because that's what I do for a living. I mean, obviously, it benefits everybody. Right. But it's like, this is what I do. This is what I do. And if I can bring them with me, that's great, too. Right. You know, and, you know, they can find fun stuff to do uh, if I'm uh, on Saturday in, in the evening when I'm doing my show. I don't want my fucking kids to see my horrible act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other than that, man, it's like. Doing fun stuff together is it's like yeah. you, you bond these important memories when you get that iPhone um, photos of like all the different yeah. fun times you've had together yeah. and it plays it with music for you. Yeah, it's like it's not even just the ones on photos; they just spark up the ones in your brain. But it's you know it's not for everybody. I don't think that you know I'm not one of those dads. It's like everybody should be a dad, but it was profoundly yeah. good to me. Like the the whole process, it's been a long like it it changes how you are as a human. Yeah, r- raising children and seeing them become adults and seeing right. them become these uh, fascinating human beings. It's it's wild. Well, well, that's what strikes me about you is because I obviously you know we, you know it's public you know financially very well and so successful, but it doesn't feel like you're motivated by money. It feels like, I'd be like, I bet you, not that I know anything, but I'd be like, I bet you Joe Rogan, his kid, if you spoke to Rogan's kids, they think he's a great dad. Because I'm like, oh, he's there. So I'm like, how do I get you know, the financial success and also be there at the same time. But I'm, I'm hearing from you, maybe it's just, you know. Well, it's, I, you know, I would be a liar if I said that it happened uh, like oh, uh, thank you, sir. instantaneously. You have to learn. No, it's a learning process. And I think um, once, once you have enough money, you have to realize that you have enough money. And I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people, once they, they get a ton of money, they want more and more and more. Like, you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't say, I'm good. You know, right. like Bill Gates doesn't say, I'm good. We're good. Right. We've got billions. Let's right. fucking party. Right. They, but I think quality of life is the most important thing. Right. And I think if you're really thinking about the numbers more than you think about the other stuff, you're taking away bandwidth that your mind utilizes to get better at stuff. Right. You're taking bandwidth that could be for, you know, hanging out with my wife or hanging right. out with my friends or I I want to just be in the mo- it's so corny to say, but I want to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. I want to try to be in the moment as much as possible. So the things that I have to think about the least or like if you're making good money and you're doing well, you don't have to think about that anymore. So stop thinking about it. Just concentrate on the things that yeah. got you there and trust this process. Of right. Just do the best you can at podcasts. Do the best you can at comedy. Yeah. Do the best you can at the things you concentrate on. Do the best you can. That's all that's you all can that do. But that's the only thing that that really achieves any real measurable success like the, the if you're concentrating on wanting it to be this or wanting it to be that or want it's like i just don't think that's positive energy i don't think that's like well-used energy yeah. i think your energy should be spent doing the things you do that's why i could do so many different things because all the things that i do i enjoy doing like yeah. there's no faking yeah yeah like it's not like you know you're not counting down the minutes like you'll do a three four hour podcast four days a week because you genuinely love doing this yes and it's the same for the ufc like i'm so looking forward to the ufc this weekend like i'm right. just gonna get to hang out with daniel cormier and john anik there's yeah. six hours of fights i fucking love it man. it's not lost on you what your life's become yes it's what? not which at is all. beautiful i i am very 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 thankful and the way that i show my thanks is by like I think about it all the time, but also I work. But have I'm you like, evolved know, to this, yeah, or you've yeah. always been this? No, 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 for sure. 
Yeah, I've definitely evolved. And, okay. and, you know, having a family and having a bunch of people counting on you, it also gives you some extra motivation and extra yeah. discipline. It definitely does. But at a certain point in time, that doesn't become the motivation anymore when you're okay. So then the motivation becomes just do your best at whatever you're doing. Yeah. That's my motivation. My right. motivation is 100% just try to do my the best, best at, at whether it's hosting a podcast or whether it's doing stand-up or whether it's doing commentary or just being a friend or being a husband or mm -hmm. being a father or just being a, a good neighbor I just try to do my best right and I'm not always great at it I right. mean I may stumble at every single thing right in that group whether it's comedy or UFC or whatever, whatever it may the be. fuck it is it's complicated life is complicated but I'm always just trying to do my best well I think that's you know what you said before is being in the present I feel like you know you listen to Sadhguru you listen to yeah. you know, Marcus Aurelius you listen to anybody what they're all doing is just giving different examples to just stay in the present that just feels like the Dalai Lama all they're ever saying is if you're in the present you're good yeah if you, you know? can do that you'll, yeah. you'll probably be better off and it's not that easy to do no it's, it's very it's, difficult it's pretty complicated because like uh, the things that we've talked about today like the 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 th anxiety and the fact that like I, I think a really positive move for you is getting off social media yeah I recommend that to so many people mm -hmm. and it's not that there's bad people that you interact with it's just people interact in a bad way in these mm -hmm. things and it, it, I would have done it too I'm not a hypocrite if I was 15 16 years old and I had a Twitter account oh my god God, the yeah. mean shit that I would say to Chris Stefano, I or, know. Me, or to me, or well, to fucking Bobby Lee, or anybody. Right, right, right. It's it's well, natural. You know what I've noticed too with getting off social media, just from from now being a you know pretty significant uh, a time, seven months, is what I've learned is my, one of my favorite quotes. Teddy Roosevelt is uh, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Yes, I love that's that quote. A great quote. Great one. I love that. And quote. what I realized is. With being off social media, you know, I think the reason why I've been able to stick to this diet plan, exercise plan, and keep you know my, myself relatively healthy is because I'm not compare. I'm not on social media scrolling, yeah. comparing myself to, you know, somebody who's jacked and ripped, you know, somebody who's who's going above and beyond. And then and then what happens is subconsciously I would be, you know, uh, five pounds into a weight loss program and see somebody being jacked and ripped and be like, well, I'm not doing what they're doing, so fuck it. Why? Is and then whatever. Where now I don't compare my the only I only compare myself to me from yesterday. I mm. live my life in one day increments because the biggest thing that I notice about being off social media is not about comparing myself to others, which is very negative, is comparing myself to me. I would compare myself to me all the time and that would make me depressed. I would look at myself from six months ago, some perfectly crafted picture that I forgot about and say, you look good back then, Chris. What the fuck were you doing then? And then you look at yourself in the mirror now and you say, I don't like this, Chris, because you're comparing yourself to a real, an unrealistic version of you, a perfectly crafted version of you. And I didn't realize that. And then the other big thing is people talk a lot about the negative comments that we see as, you know, whatever, on social media. It was the positive comments that were throwing off my mental my mental state too. The positive comments were also putting me into an overdrive that was not helping me at all. So now I don't see anybody. The only person I ever see that says anything positively or negative negative to me exists in the real realm, exists in the physical yes. realm, not in the social media realm. And that has profoundly changed my brain chemistry. Dude, me and my girl Jasmine, you know, we were having some rough times the last time I came in here. We were thinking maybe we we're going to go back to. Parenting, whatever, we are as close as we've ever been in the last eight years because now I would also didn't even realize, like, I would see, oh, you know, 
innocently, subconsciously, a woman on social media that was a, you know, a, a fitness instructor and a medical doctor. And I would be like, start to subconscious think, well, wouldn't my life be easier with her? Wouldn't it be, what, what, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and no. then, and then it would cause a fight subconsciously with Jasmine and blah, 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 blah. And then I got off of that. I didn't see anything at all ever, except what I noticed was how beautiful a person Jasmine was, how lucky I was to have Jasmine. That's what I noticed being off social media because I blocked everything else and I said, what I have, my whole dream, everything I've dreamt of in life, to have a beautiful woman, a beautiful partner, a beautiful mother of my children is right here. She's not on Instagram in uh, fucking Sweden. Right. With a, you know, she's right here. And then I just noticed all those things that I, my subconscious would cloud my mind with from the social media feed and the algorithm were gone. And I was like, I see her for as beautifully perfect and imperfect she is as me. And that's what I saw. And I'm gay. That's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen I mean, the, what what social media is doing to people is really profound because that kind of honesty that you just experienced that you just expressed rather that's huh. uh, that's very hard for people to to recognize in themselves sometimes. Yeah. But I guarantee that's going on all over the world. Yeah. And it's it's just it's influence. It's it does a thing to the mind. Yeah. That confuses the mind with real life. And it does it in this weird way, and now it's doing it with like filters. Have you seen these new filters oh on TikTok? Oh my god, yeah, it's horrifying. Somebody sent me. Oh, Bridget Fetisy sent me. This is uh, love Bridget Fetisy. I love her to death. Yeah, it was her, or uh, it might have been Megan Murphy. One of them sent this thing. There's a new TikTok filter, and it 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 puts makeup on women. Like <sighs> so, you can be completely unmade up. Yeah, and it'll be perfect makeup, and it used to be. Like if you had the filter on and you moved your hand in front of your mouth, that the lips would go over your hand. Yeah. It would be cartoonish, hilarious because right. it's so obvious that they're using right. these filters. Right. Now it doesn't happen anymore. Right. Now everything's seamless and the right. AI is better or the, the computer algorithm or whatever whatever it is that's doing this is better. And if you see it, it's wild. Yeah. Do you know where it is? I can, I can send it to you. If you, you got it? Well, it's, do you worry about so, this woman is doing this? And it's so crazy. Like, look at this. Oh, look. Yeah. Let, let play it. Play it a little bit so we could hear it. You used to do that with an old filter, and you would see the lashes on your hand, like it would glitch. But look how perfect this is. I'm wearing no makeup right now. This is all a filter, and it's just scary because there's a lot of girls out there that don't realize when someone's got a filter on and they're chasing perfection because that's what they think everybody looks like and this is not what people look like so this is very scary i think that lady terrifying that what she just showed is the future but yes. you're, you're not going to be able to tell at all who, I mean, face swaps are going to be indistinguishable. Yeah. They're deep fakes. Deep right? fakes, indistinguishable. They, they've already done podcasts with me and Steve Jobs. I know. I never met I Steve saw that. Jobs. Yeah. It's just, a, they, they put it into a computer and the computer will say anything you want it to. It sounded as real as can be. And now you can have his face moving to those words. You yeah. You can have my face moving to those words. Is this a lady doing this as well? Again? So that's what she really looks like. And, and so she would did both, which is good of her, because that's what I was yeah. curious. Like, what is the difference? Yeah, I, but but it's a but but that's a difference. It could be that just they could but, do that with makeup. But as a parent, how do you? Is it just staying in the present and saying, "I hope my children don't kind of fall victim to this"? Or how, are, how do you reconcile that? They're in a new world. 
You okay. know, and this, you know, people, there's two schools of thought. There's a school of thought that you should keep your children away from social media. Mm-hmm. And there's a school of thought is everyone has social media. Everyone has social media. You right. have it. The kids have it. Like maybe let them have experience in it and maybe they're going to be okay. Like we always want to think that while well, these kids are this new rock and roll music, what are they going to, it's going to ruin right. childhood. Right. And then we thought that in the sixties with drugs and we thought that it, it, throughout with this go people always think kids are going to ruin, ruin their fucking lives this is the most profound change that human beings have ever experienced in terms of their access to information the way they get educated the, the way they're experiencing different things that are happening all over the world all at once it's a profound shift in human consciousness and these kids are going to be so much more advanced than us in mm-hmm. terms of their ability to understand things okay it's a different road but it's, it's a different road like the road between people that invented agriculture and the road with people at hunter-gatherer tribes worrying about invading ones. Got it. Like, it's new roads, and this mm-hmm. is the new road. The new road is internet communication. The new road is social media. The new road is interconnectedness. This right. bizarre interconnectedness that humans have to navigate now. But, 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 but so what you're saying is the interconnectedness we're experiencing now at this level is the same level that somebody in the 1600s was experiencing interconnectedness because for the first time they left their village and got on a road and went to another village. Like, or the printing the press. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's been history a bunch repeats. of these things that have happened. And probably, look, I mean, my view of history is shaped by the work of Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson and John Anthony West and all these mm-hmm. people that have examined these ancient cultures. And I have a, a real strong feeling that they're right. And that there's a lot of evidence to support it about this younger dryest impact theory and that human civilization like, you know, Egypt and the pyramids and before that had achieved this incredible level of sophistication Mm -hmm. in a way that we don't understand. I think we're relearning how to navigate life. That's what I think is happening right now. Right. And I think it comes in these big waves. And I think it's one of the reasons why these waves, it's like we, we... when technology is at the place it's at now, where you have like Chat GPT that's writing, like it could write a whole Chris Stefano set. Yep. It could write a set. Like, yep. you know, talk about your mom, talk about, you know, yep. uh, the fucking homeless guy that beat a guy up and yeah. you gave him ice cream. They could write a whole routine for you. Yeah. We're, we're in a weird time. And I know. You can't just deny that it exists and protect your children from it. I think you have to communicate with your children, but I think your children also exist in this new world and i think we can't like it's a difficult one to navigate and i think one of the decisions that you've made as you've navigated and you've realized hey hey this is not good for me like i don't like this so i'm going to get off of that a lot of people make similar decisions when they stop drinking or when they stop gambling yep they go you know what this is not good for me i gotta get off of that but i feel like you have to let people make those decisions for themselves and you have to give them the ability to say like confidently that some people have navigated this water. Right. Some people figure out how to use it. Yep. Some people don't get involved in disputes online and they don't get involved in all yep. the negative aspects of it and reading all the positive stuff too, which can also fuck with your head. Yeah. Because it throws your equilibrium off. My you know, my father, you know, was a, a gambling addict, went through Gamblers Anonymous and has come out on the other side. Great. But, you know, I went through a very tough part in uh, point in my life. Um, where, you know, me and Jasmine, you know, my girlfriend, mother of my children, we broke up. We were co-parenting. She was dating someone else. It was all very hard for me. 
And I was like living this life where I was like, maybe it's better this way and I'll go out and date all these women and blah, 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 blah. And my father one day, you know, we're hanging out. I didn't even think I was doing anything wrong. And he sees me and he's like, uh, you know, could see I'm a little like disheveled and no drugs, no alcohol. I'm not like that. And uh, and he was like, uh, you've got an addiction problem, Chris. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I was a gambling addict. You look like you look like you've been gambling all night. But I think what you've been doing is chasing women all night. I think you've been either having sex with girls or you've been messaging women and you've been doing that. He was like, just I'm your father. Am I right? I said, yeah. I've been, you know, talking to a couple of girls, but whatever. I'm single. You know, she's with somebody else. I'm single. He was like, let me tell you something, Chrissy. He was like, here's what I know about gambling, and here's what I know about life, and here's what I know about what's going to happen to you. You can beat the house 99 times out of 100. You beat them clean 99 out of 100. The one time the house wins, which is inevitably going to happen, negates the other 99. You're hooking up and you're meeting all these strangers, bringing all these strangers into your life. 99 out of 100, great, no problem, all good. The one stranger that has it in her head that she needs to ruin your life for whatever reason, has a baby, says you did this, says you did that, is going to negate all the rest. You need to limit your probability and stop bringing all these women into your life and you need to figure out how to go be with the mother of your children because that is what is the most important thing that's it, fantastic fatherly advice if everybody had a father like that and he just laid it into he, that's me. such a great way of laying it down too yeah it's such a great way of laying it down it's the, the these patterns that human beings fall into when it comes to addiction they're so fascinating they're so fascinating yeah I was, I was never around gamblers until I was in my like early 20s, and mm -hmm. I was around these guys that would bet on poker. Yeah. They would bet on fucking raindrops coming down yeah. off a windowsill. Yeah. My father was a, a, a pretty profound gambler, ruined his marriage with my mother, <sighs> all that stuff. And what my father said, he would tell me, he was like, you know, when I was growing up, a teenager, he was like, do not gamble. I don't want you to even know what a VIG is. I don't want you to know what a point cover is. I don't want you to know what a spread is. I don't want you to know that stuff. Because that he's like, I have it in my brain, and I'm terrified. I passed it to you. Jesus. So, pro, so still to this day, as a 38 year old guy, you know, with all the DraftKings and all that, I don't even know the. If you said what's the what's the over under? I don't. It's a foreign language to me because my father was explicit. He was intentional. Do not do that. And That's I a very wise choice. And I listened to him. And I don't have that gambling thing now. I do think I had that addict thing in my brain. And you know, I was. You I think know. he had it too. I think people have it. I no. think it makes them good at things. Well, well yeah. And, and, That's what I think. I think it's yeah. a dangerous mindset. It's like a thing in your mind. Yeah. And it could lead to something like gambling, or it could lead to something like getting addicted to like being the best at guitar. Like right. I think it's real similar. So, so, so what his advice always to me, my whole childhood, he would always say two things. He would say, if you're going to be an addict make sure you're addicted to something positive so yeah i hopefully the comedy and then the second thing he would say always to me he said chrissy if you would always call me chrissy it would always like make me a girl and, <laughs> and 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 he would say he would say uh you'll love life you're gonna love life when you finally understand that life isn't fair when you know life isn't fair you'll love life mm. so and and that and i took that and i feel like i did understand that in my 20s where like you know in the movies, the villain always gets caught, and oh, that's not real life. So when somebody gets something that you know personally isn't a good person, or the media is saying, you know, this person just keeps rising through the ranks, because I understand life isn't fair, and that was instilled in me through my father, you know, and 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 I think that my dad having this kind of 
life, in, like he would always say to me, you know, it's something dark he would always say to me. He would say, Chris, I, you know, he would say, what do you want to be in life? And I, I would say, uh, you know, as a kid, uh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. You know, I want to be in the NBA. All the things children would say. He'd say, oh, that's great. He said, here's what I want you to be in life. I want you to be the exact opposite of me. I, I want you to not be me, and then you'll be okay. Holy shit. So you see what dad does? You see how dad lives? Be the opposite of me, and you'll be A-okay. That's wow. what I want you to strive for. And as a kid, I would laugh at that, whatever, but now I see, because he was like, I gambled, I lost your mother, I lost all these things in my life, and I don't want you to have that. Mm. And even like with this Radio City stuff, because it is like, it's almost like emotional, Radio City, for a New York guy and, you know, sold all these tickets so quick and then- Wearing my, sunglasses. Yeah, wearing sunglasses. I got the watch on, you know, I fucking hide in my homosexuality. It's all these things. <laughs> and- and and my de and then my agent now recently a couple of days ago was like oh maybe we'll put a second show on sale maybe we'll do the Hulu theater maybe we'll do a second at radio so you're you're selling quick baby and I'm like okay and then and then I'm talking to my dad and I'm like oh man, the agent said maybe we'll put a second show on sale so why do you want to do that I was like uh, you know he said it's selling quick and I was like uh, and and he was like yeah but um. The goal was one. The goal was you sold out one, right? And the goal was you're going to spend time with your family, me as your father, your daughters. We'll be done by 9 o'clock. We'll go have dinner. It'll be beautiful. It'll just be us celebrating Radio City. He was like, why do you want to add more pressure to yourself? I was like, oh, uh, uh, I don't know. I thought maybe you know, the money, the agent said this, the agent said that. He said, you're losing the whole point of this. He said, the, f the, the simple fact you put Radio City on sale was the win. That was the win. He goes, you're doing what I would do. You're doubling up. You double or nothing, double or nothing, double or nothing. Stop it. Wow. He said, do one. I was like, yeah, but dad, if I can sell out a second show, then maybe the Madison Square Garden people see me, and then I hit my real goal, MSG. He goes, MSG will happen when it happens. Stop doubling up. Stop doubling or nothing. That's what got me in the worst shape of my life. Your dad's right. Yeah. He was like, get one and move on. Get one. Get one. And I was like, Wow. Well, it's just fascinating that he sees those patterns in you. Right. Like, it is like a genetic propensity for gambling or a, a, a psychology thing. But also, it's like growing up with him. I'm sure, yeah. like, it transferred to you. Whether he recognized it or not, you were probably aware of his gambling. Well, when me, when me and- Dude, my... I got to piss again. I'm so sorry. I drank so much water. I'm, it's so frustrating. Piss. This is like an hour and a oh. half in. It's like two no, peas. No, it's, it's two, two hours peas at this point. in an hour and a half. Close to two. It's like 1.45. I'll I'm, piss. I'm I'll piss too. All right. And we're back. Hello. Feel Hello. good, dude. By the way, let me tell you something. If people want to know, I mean, Joe Rogan has a at least 60-second-long piss, healthy prostate. You are, Thank you. You, got, you don't have BPH. You, I doubt you have benign. I doubt you have uh, the prostate hyperplasia. <laughs> I don't think you have BPH. I think there's no way that that prostate is healthy. You're drinking pomegranate juice, or I don't know what it is, but you got a healthy prostate and a very, very strong flow. Guys judge guys on flows. Like yeah. If you're next to a dude and he's trickling, you're like, what's going on over there, man? Like Tony Hinchcliffe's working out, I don't think he has as strong a flow as you. Um, Even though he's looking jacked. You never know. He might be one of those silent, heavy hog dudes. Here's what I know about Tony you know? Hinchcliffe. He's just got that face, jacked, looking good. He would be, a if he was lived in, if he had power, 
in medieval times, oh. he'd be a nightmare. Nightmare. Beheading people. 100%. You know, taking their organs out, eating their small intestine as a sausage and peppers. 100%. Tony Hinchcliffe, nightmare in medieval times. But thank God we got him here in Austin. We got thank him God. subdued. He can't hurt anybody. If I was a prince and I had a brother who was also a prince who was just like murdering people and I was trying to stop him. Yeah. He would look exactly like Tony. Tony Hinchcliffe. I mean, <laughs> look at that. Tell me, tell me that is not midi- that is not medieval bloodthirsty prince face. I mean, oh, uh, that's Joffrey's cousin. That's Joffrey's cousin. <laughs> yeah, Tony. <laughs> He's from the kingdom to the north. Yeah. Oh my God, a hundred percent, dude. Tony. Yeah, he would he would hurt you. He would hurt you in a bad way. Tony would be the greatest Joker of all time. Yes, he'd be right up there with Heath Ledger. Yeah, he, <laughs> just let him be himself. <laughs> dude, Tony, just a sinister fit. Love fucking Tony. Jo- how many Jokers have there been? There've been so many Jokers. Who do you we- know, I won't even say that Heath Ledger's the best because I, I, I think Joaquin Phoenix is the best. Mm. He's the creepiest. He's the most like uh, profound. Like yeah. the one, the one that I buy the most is the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Like J- J- Jack Nicholson one was fun. Yeah. There was a lot of fun ones. But the Joaquin Dude. Phoenix one was like holy and shit. Timmy D had an opportunity to work with. Joaquin yeah in in a movie and and he was saying Joaquin not only is he a great guy but he said the acting is so amazing that it's almost like throws you off because you're like this guy is like born to do this and they said he was he stays in character the whole time which is tough right like as a I'm not an actor by trade but I'm like I don't know if I could stay in the character the whole time but these guys do it yeah that's a a thing that like uh the actors are split on that, I guess. I mean, obviously, I'm not an actor, but in that camp, there's like people that think that's the the dude from Succession, who's the old guy, Brian Cox. Amazing. Yeah, he doesn't like the fact that the other gentleman, what's his name, Jeremy Irons, right? No, Strong? Kendall, Jeremy Strong, Kendall Is from Succession, Strong? right? He's really good. We that guy's give a him phenomenal actor. Give him his propers. Jeremy Strong. Yeah. Jeremy Strong, um, sorry. He's very method, I guess. And Brian yes. Cox gets upset at it. Like, he's he's not that guy. Fuck is this whole shit? You know, yeah. He's one of those guys. Well, I saw that act, like Brian Cox, I saw an interview with him. He said the reason why he's so good at playing Logan Roy is because he, in real life, hates the idea of that guy. He mm. hates the 1% corporate so-and-so douchebag. He hates that guy, so he plays that guy at a different level. And I wonder if there's... Because mm. well, you, when you... I mean, I know you did the sitcom acting and news radio, but did you ever do any, like, dramatic acting? No. You always did comedy acting. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did a couple of Kevin James movies. I really didn't do that much. I mean, I really enjoyed doing the sitcoms, but it was so... It's kind of similar to stand-up, right? Because you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to hit a punchline you're trying to get a laugh right you're having it but it's interactive right and if you're doing it with talented people like i fortunately was with news radio yeah it's a lot of fun yeah but it's not as fun as stand-up it's just stand-up stand-up is the best and stand-up is the art form i think that is the separator the equalizer where it's like you know you can definitely sell a lot of tickets if you go big on tiktok and you go but you can do it one time around if they see you the one show and then you come back and you're doing the same horse shit or whatever like right. and there's no shortcut with stand up it takes time like yeah. i i'm 13 years in now and i feel like i'm finally just about maybe finding my voice in the way that i'm like like colin quinn is 
my mentor. 35 years. He started comedy in 1984. Oh, 38 years. I'm sorry. I was born in 1984. And uh, and he says, man, it's going to take 15, maybe 20 years for you to find your voice. But that's all part of it. Yeah. It's all part of this journey. It's all part of, you know, he's always preaching to me, like, stay in the moment, write down the 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 little tidbits of a bit. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and don't worry. He was, and you know, he talks about like the, al- he, he was the one who told me, he's like, you know, the algorithm, right? He was like, you kids are so obsessed with the algorithm. He calls me a kid. I'm 38. But so he is. He's like, he's like, you're obsessed with the algorithm. He goes, I've seen the algorithm 30 times in 30 years. He goes, there's always something there. First it was the sitcom, then it was the reality show, then it was clips. There's always something that you guys, that the young generation is chasing. He goes, all I want you to do is get a clean, solid hour of material and that's all I want you to focus on. And that's what I try to that's do. That's solid advice. That's what I try to do. Because he's yeah. like, there's always a distraction. Yeah, Don't keep worry your about mind that. on the process. He told me. And he's like, also, the, like, yeah. what do you enjoy? You, you enjoy comedy, right? Like, yeah. That's why we all got into it. Yeah. We enjoy it. The adrenaline rush that I got from playing basketball, Division three, but still I played. And then <laughs> I, I transferred that adrenaline rush to physical therapy. I was a physical therapist, and I love that. Now I've transferred that adrenaline rush to comedy. So that's all it is for me is like I love doing it because I feel like it's cathartic. Right. I'm getting my point of view out. Whether you like it or not, I'm getting it out. It's, it's cathartic. And that's what matters at the end of the day. And that's why my dad's advice I think is profound when he's like, hey, with the Radio City shit, he's like, the, the goal was just the, the putting one on sale is just this is a byproduct of your of what you've set out to do. So don't worry about the money. He was like, the money always came second. Oprah said that once. I remember I had mono, I had mononucleosis and my mom had gout when I was in eighth grade. And I heard Oprah say, we we're watching the Oprah Winfrey show, and Oprah said, the money always comes second. In passion, the money always comes second. And that's always been in my head. Like, you'll get the money. Like, even if I, you know, I just did a whole, you know, did three theaters in a row before coming here. I haven't gotten one check yet from either one of them. I'm like, the money will come. You know, I'll, I'll remember in a month from now if I haven't gotten paid yet. The money will come. I did it because I loved it. I loved performing and making fun of Fresno and, you know, kind of shitting on San Jose and, and getting involved in the Sacramento politics. I loved it. I, I, felt like I, was a, I felt like I was playing D3 ball again. That's how you feel. And so I don't worry about the money. I mean, I need the money because I need another watch. But I, I you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, I, I, I do feel like the money with comedy has been. I love doing physical therapy. I was a pediatric physical therapist. I was making fifty three thousand dollars a year, but I loved it. You know, I had helping kids. You, you get a kid from a wheelchair who couldn't walk to. Not that I'm, you know, fucking miracle worker here. He's not going to dunk a basketball. But the fact that he could stand up out of his wheelchair and get his leg up or her leg up to take one step and watch the parents, you know, be so, it's so gratifying and you you have the gratuity towards it where I was like, and I kind of transfer that a bit into comedy where it's like, I just, I'm happy to, if one person says, hey, you you made my day better, great. Even if it was 99% of people being like, you suck, fuck you. I don't care. Well, it makes, when I watch someone kill, it makes my day better. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we were we did the creek, uh, or rather the um, uh, Vulcan last week with um, Shane and Ari yeah. and Norman and yeah, the the, the protective parks guys. It was so much fun. Yeah. It's like just watching those guys kill. It's like yeah. it's so it's so enjoyable. It's such a fun thing to do. Right. Like to all these years of doing stand up, I still love watching people kill. It's yeah. so much fun. It's great. It's so much fun. I got to take one of those guys out to get in protective parks. I go for Shane. A lot take of one of them out just, so you can get in? Yeah. You can't just get in like that. You I can't gotta, just take people out I and gotta, get in. But what if I had a fucking... What if I like... That's not really how it works. It would be a different thing. Protect our parks is us. 
you got to come up with another thing. What about um? What about protect our rivers? <laughs> what if I did the aqua version of it? How about protect our egos? Yeah, protect our egos. Now, dude, Shane, Shane, Mark, and Ar- by the way, Ari Shafir, Mark, Mark. I started, you know, with Shane is goes without saying how great he is, but Ari, Ari is one of those. Ari is one of those guys in my comedy generation who's a a bit older, who is like um, you know, as much as Colin Quinn is my elder and. Ari is too. Ari, dude. Ari, because Ari's lived that life, that comic life where he eats, sleeps, and breathes comedy. He's got advice for every situation. You could come to a situation with Ari, and he's been through it, he's lived it, and he's come out the other side, and he's got so much positive advice because Ari is a guy that I find when I'm really struggling, and he would admit, to, he would tell you, there's been multiple times in my life over the past year where I've struggled a little bit about, you know, I had a tweet that got out of uh, TikTok, I'm sorry that I was getting attacked for by the Mexican community. I had this happen to me, and Ari is just a guy who talks to you about what, he kind of, his advice is always the same. He's always like, dude, just let it happen to you. Think time, time heals all wounds, let it happen to you, stay in the moment, you'll be fine. Ari's one of those guys who like I lean on at times to text him when I'm going through some shit, and Ari always has at least sound advice to help me get through on the other side. He's very smart. Very, very smart. He's yeah. and, and also he's also experienced like redemption with this Jew special. Yeah, his Jew special is so good. That <laughs> special is so fucking tight and so solid, and he crafted it for so long. It was like his best work. To me, the two best specials. No disrespect to any other comic, but the two best specials to me that I looked at of the last year, and I was like, those two specials are the shit, and that's what I got to strive for if I want to try to keep up. What's and- the other one? Jew by R. Shafir and Blocks by Neil Brennan. Oh, I haven't seen Blocks. Blocks by Neil, because they're thematic. They have. Mm. It's not just going up there and doing 60 minutes of material, which I think is fine. But I think in today's world, you got to give an audience member a reason to stay around to the 60th minute. And because of this ADHD society we live in. And I think Ari Shafir and Neil Brennan did, in my opinion, the best job of that all year where I said, I got to watch this to the end because I got to, I'm learning about, I'm learning and laughing. And then Neil Brennan, I got to stay to the end because he's giving me uh, this, uh, you know, kind of um, mental health advice that's like so profound in a funny way. Yeah. Neil is a very smart dude, like yeah. c- kind of creepy smart sometimes. Yes. But he's... um He's also like real honest about all the mm-hmm. weird mental struggles that he's gone through and all the different things. Yeah. And psychedelic drugs apparently had a very profound effect oh, on him. He, he talks about that, that, and he talked about, uh, he did that, like that brain scramble yeah. thing. It was, well, they used, it's some sort of magnetism. Huh. They use it with people and it kind of rewires your brain. He did a lot of things. He did uh, ketamine therapy. Yep. Which is wild. He yep. told me that was, he, he goes, I thought it was going to be like really mild. He goes, it was a full-blown trip, like yeah. tripping balls yeah. in it, a hospital somewhere or it, a clinic. If you get an opportunity after you watch Blackbird on Apple TV, watch I will. Watch watch Neil Brennan's um, blocks because uh, it's just got a theme. And I'm not saying like, like you know. Is this the Chrissy list? This is the Chrissy list. Chrissy list of cool shit that I got to watch. Dude, the Chrissy list of cool <laughs> shit. You got to watch Blackbird on Apple TV. You got to watch Neil Brennan Blocks. You got to watch Super Maximum Retro Show on Vice TV. You got to watch, um, oh, you got to watch uh, uh, Hitler's, um, uh, The Dictator's Playbook. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Dictator's Playbook. What's that on? Netflix. Oh, my. It basically takes six dictators. This is what's interesting about Netflix, even though, shout out. My special was on there. Shout out Netflix. Shout out to Netflix. You got to, it's interesting how they will shit on Dave Chappelle. Easiest one. Dave Chappelle and blah, 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 blah. Oh, transphobic material, blah, 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 whatever. But in the same breath, 
put out a show called The Dictator's Playbook, where they basically take Saddam Hussein, Kim Jong-un, all these dictators in history, all these dictators, and they basically show you, Mussolini, how they did it. So I'm like, you're shitting on a transphobic material that you are assuming, and then you're showing us how to be a dictator. What the fuck? What side are you on here? I don't understand. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Is that so history doesn't repeat itself? So people recognize the patterns? They that... were making it cool. They were making Saddam Hussein look like what? he's fucking awesome. Just like they do with really? Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. They're making this thing look fuck. Why do you think I bought the glasses? I saw the fucking Dahmer uh... shit on Netflix. I was like, that guy looks fucking sexy and cool. That's what I want. I want to I eat a guy. Do you think those things actually encourage people? I do. I personally, I don't think it encourages people. I think it makes it feel like this thing is okay. I think it, I think it takes right. away the pain of the victim because when they made, I mean, they played the cool fucking 80s music. You know, the actor who played Jeffrey Dahmer, an unbelievable actor. You know, they made him look dope. They made, you know, every time he's murdering someone, they're playing, a, they got a dope soundtrack of a new band. It makes it look like, oh, you know, me or you, maybe, or Jamie, you know, we would be like, oh, you, we could understand the, the pain of the victim. But some person out there in the middle of the country, they look at that and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe I can have a documentary about me. People are like that. I don't like that. I, I, I just don't like the um, I don't like the kind of fakeness of like you're going to attack one side, but then do something that's maybe even worse. Like, you know, in America, we got a bit of a puritanical society, right? Like we don't say shit or fuck on on a network television, right? Ooh, no, you can't say that. But we'll show an AK-47 if somebody getting shot up. We're in Italy. Yeah, they'll say fuck shit, whatever. But you will never see gun, very rarely see gun violence on basic television. I so, watched basic television once. I was watching one of those CSI shows and I yeah. couldn't believe how gory they are very bad so my thing is so like violence is okay it's puritanical but isn't that crazy that violence is okay but the word fuck is not okay like you could show a dead body with a bullet hole in it <sighs> in it, its head it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it's very strange it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all what do you think no. it, what's the cause of it is it something that we agreed to at an early stage of society and we just hold on to it as being like some sort of a measure of civility like don't say fuck don't say shit don't say cunt don't don't say horrible words on television but you can show literal dead bodies you can show people people's lives being ended right I think personally, you know, the, the term I used before, puritanical, I think it's from the, I genuinely think it's a kind of great, 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 great yeah. grandfather of the Puritans who yeah. would say, you are not following in the footsteps of God in our definition of it, so we are going to burn you at the stake in front of the village. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's what they were doing with the Salem witch trials. They were saying, you're not following in the footsteps of God. We are Christians. So we're going to burn your flesh in front of children. But we're Christians. You're not. So we get to yeah. burn you. So that's what I think is happening in a different way today. Not as on the nose as what it was in the Salem witch trials, but it is happening. Do you happening. know the story of the Salem witch trials? Do you well, know what actually happened? Well, I think that there was some now scientists today think there was a possible root being grown that was giving people uh, psychedelic kind of mental health issues that it's were it's a fungus it's a fungus, a, a fungus. it was because right. of a late frost they had a, a late frost they could but is that this. proven proven no, proven I don't think so I think it's just uh, supposed and it makes sense to people sure I'll take another blast that I think they think it makes sense to people because of the way people were behaving was so crazy right and they, they think uh, it's probably a combination of a bunch of things like people are I think predisposed to hysteria 
in, mm-hmm. in certain situations, in, in like case famine, war, right. disease. But there's also this thing with ergot, which is a real thing. They know it. that this stuff does grow, and they have found evidence of ergot from that time period. Like I, I think they're pretty sure that it would have been on the wheat. Is it what? What? How much evidence do they have? We should probably find out. How much evidence do they have that ergot played a role in the Salem witch trials? I think that I think that um, they think it's pretty profound. Yeah, it's, it happened to a town in France too. There's right. a town in France that they they had ergot poisoning. I think people died as well. Did you see the uh, train derailment in Ohio? The the people there are saying that they're sounding like Mickey Mouse now from Disney World. They have like high pitched voices. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, Google. Oh uh, well, whatever you want, but train derailment, Ohio. Mickey Mouse voice. It's like a it's like a big thing. Oh my God! But that's I, horrible. But but I think that that something like that uh, train derailment bullshit thing is what this is going on. Let's hear this. Yeah, yeah, East Palestine. Uh, you quickly learn that you don't have a voice in this. They don't care. They're going to hush it up. They're going to push it through. The mayor of East Palestine yesterday at uh, the Trump circus that came to town, and I'm a Trump voter, right? I live in East Palestine. Um, we didn't need that right now. But the mayor at this press conference says, hey, media, go away. We don't need you anymore. That's the last thing we need. We need this. I, I mean, I wrote an open letter to the mayor telling him how to take care of this situation because he's been non-existent. Uh, I know he gets a lot of positive pra- I don't know if that video has the example. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't sound like he's inhaled helium, but but they, there's a big thing going on in that part of Palace, East Palestine, Ohio, that they're saying that they have these high-pitched Mickey Mouse-sounding Disney voices oh from these train derailments, and they're saying that you know there's been a few of them that have derailed and released these chemicals into the air, and now that they, just yesterday, they said that COVID was go, leaked from a lab, the Pentagon has go, admitted it. Go back to that, Jimmy. Go back to that. There's a, there was an explanation of the Mickey Mouse Voice. Sore throat. Go back to that to that article you just had. Yeah, and scroll down a little bit. There was actually an explanation. Someone someone was saying that they their voice had to sound like Mickey Mouse. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, doctors say I can definitely have the chemicals in me, but there's no one in town that can run the toxicological uh, test to find out which ones they are. Love it. Forty. An auto detailer said in an extremely high pitched voice. He said, my voice sounds like Mickey Mouse. My normal voice is low. It's hard to breathe, especially at night. My chest hurts so much at night, I feel like I'm drowning. I cough up phlegm a lot. I lost my job because the doctor won't release me to go to work. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. That's like Chernobyl type shit. Like, not as profound, but that, it's like, and the media won't report on that. They'll, they'll talk about Meghan Markle. It's wild to me. They're they're um, they're starting to do independent tests. Like people are coming by and doing. I was watching a video of this guy there. I don't know what kind of a chemist he was, but he was explaining um, that they were going into these creeks and you could see all this oily residue on the top of the creeks. And mm-hmm. he suspected that this was this vinyl chloride stuff that had leaked into the water. That it was right. like in the air and whatever the residue of it was in this water. water. And so he's explained. It's just been like this ever since the train That's a dude's blew voice. Up. It's crazy. What does your voice really sound like, Wade? I know you can't tell us, but is it like that? You no. sound like Michael Jackson normally? <laughs> Lately, I, sm- I sound like Mickey Mouse. Yep. Wow. But, uh, He's got a deep, thraspy voice normally. Other than that, I just go and get tested and get checked out. Well, what are they telling you? Look at the, the Donald Trump shirt. I most definitely have the, the chemicals in me. Oh, Jesus no. Christ. But he has to find a toxicologist. You, you believe that? Kid, right? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> 
I who mean, knows, if, right? If someone was trolling, imagine being that guy and faking this. That doesn't make sense. That, yeah. And if the, but that if that is the case and, and there's more than one person that's having that happen to them and it's just happened recently, right. like what's the long-term effects on these people to live near this stuff? Right. Is it, is it a short-term thing? Is it a long-term thing? Is it just because of the initial fire? Or is that like a poison waste ground now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's what I don't know. That, Fuck, that, dude. That's what people don't know. At all, I don't know, but that's they're why bl- they're trying to blame it on deregulation too. But what I read was that 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 was incorrect because the deregulation didn't it didn't actually get applied, and that the railroad that these chemicals were traveling on was not for these kind of uh, hazardous materials. Okay. And so they weren't supposed to be doing it anyway. And what happened was one of the bearings of one of the wheels apparently fucked up. Got it. So it had nothing to do with any of those things. But, th- but, but then they say that, again, I don't know, but then they say that there's multiple other train derailments with chemicals and multiple other chemical facilities in Florida and this yes. state. And that's, uh, so yeah. it just feels like I don't know what's happening, you know? Well, and- we, don't know how many, we don't know about this stuff until something like this happens. Like right. this is happening probably all the time. Is probably constantly transporting well, hazardous waste across the country well, all the time. Well, see, that's what I thought because, like, you know, my boys on my group chat would be like, this is a conspiracy. They're trying to distract us because so-and-so is happening. I'm like, maybe, or is it that now that this is a hot story, the media is reporting on every train derailment that happens more, that's been happening all this time, but we don't report on it. But now they're reporting on it, so we think it's a bigger problem than it actually is. Right. That could be it. Th- that's what I think about. You it know? could be it because as soon as you do concentrate on these things, then you start looking for patterns. Right. And there's been a right. bunch of them. Right. That are, okay, look at this. A thousand derailments occur each year. There you go. Now it's the new climate change. I've it's a new thing to freak that's out it. about. The derailments. There's a thousand this year. There's a thousand <laughs> every year. There you go. As high as 1,800. Oh, my God. That's like three look at six this. a day. There were 1,049 such instances in 2022 out of roughly 535 million miles traveled. Wow. But it's just when it happens with fucking right. toxic chemicals and they have to light them on fire. Right. And so this chemist was saying that he didn't think that it was the wise idea to light them on fire. But I don't know what the options were. This, Dude, this I got to chemist- be honest. I just took my glasses off. I'm seeing three of you. Oh, my God. How, how strong are those glasses? I'm drunk. I'm high. Well, I've been lying to people and telling them their prescription. They're not prescription. What are they then? They're just, I just, I made a choice to try to be cool. Okay. But I've been telling, lying to people all around the country saying their prescription that I, I legally need to wear these, mm. but I don't. I just tried to take it. I, I made a bold choice. And uh, right here on this podcast, I, maybe because I'm high, maybe because I'm drunk, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you in real time that I'm regretting who I am. I'm taking the glasses Don't off. Don't take the watch I'm, off. I'm, I'm not giving it up. I'm just, I'm putting it here. This is not who I want to be. I'm Wow. In real time. In real time. I'm not who I want to be. And Jasmine, I love you, you know, mother of my children, but I don't, you know, I'm not a hundred percent not gay. I just won't I won't I won't I, I can't commit to that. What's the number you think? I would say I'm seventy five percent straight. That's all you need in this life. Get by. It's a nice edge. Joe, I'm telling <laughs> you, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Joe. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, you want to take me out after this. You want to take me to the club. You want to take me to a dinner. You know, if you're drunk or whatever, and you say, you know what, Chris, I'm fucking, I'm feeling it too. I want to kiss you on the lips. I'd kiss you on the lips. That's all I'm saying. That's very nice of you. I'm not saying you want to do that, but what I'm saying is, Jamie, and the same applies to you. You want to fucking get kissed on the lips? I'll kiss you on the lips. If you'd like me to leave the room for you to discuss this with Jamie, 
but uh, I'm, I'm not. Really I don't think interested. Jamie. I don't think Jamie's gay, but I don't think Jamie's not gay. Is what I'll tell you. What do you I, think I don't he think is? I don't think you're gay, but I don't think Jamie's not gay. I think Jamie is. I think Jamie is comfortable with who he is right now. Right. But now. I think. But I think Jamie, if given a nudge, can be persuaded to have some experiences that he didn't understand that he wanted to have. That's mm. what I'll say. Am I wrong about that, Jamie? <laughs> what kind of nudge are you talking about? Yeah, what's I'm, a nudge? I'm talking about I'm talking about a hip thrust. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, Jamie? Nah. Are you single, Jamie? Yes. Right. Now, how <laughs> long do you go? How long do you go? Until you become a girl? Well, not to become a girl, but do you say, you know what? Have you seen that? Guys are doing that? What are they doing? These uh, incels that are turning trans. No. You haven't seen this? Jamie, have we seen, seen this, this, Jamie? No. Yeah, it's like a, there's there's literally a term for it. Is uh men who uh have decided I mean, I'm sure it's a small number, but Trans it's enough maxing. Yeah, enough that it's crazy Oof. that people would even consider this. If you're just a heterosexual man, you decide that the the only way to get sexual affection is to become a woman. It doesn't even make any sense, but a lot of things that people do don't make sense. I mean, well, but it also could be a troll. Well, I think an 18-year-old. So this could be a troll too. Trans maxers. Online uh, manifesto promises: since females have the upper hand on the dating market, transitioning from male to female will usually improve your options when it comes to getting sex. I feel trolled. <laughs> trolled. <laughs> That's yeah, a troll. Be, yeah, I feel but, like what was that? What was that in? What article? What, what? Uh, National Review. See, here's the thing. If you were a funny guy and you wanted to get something published in National <laughs> Review, that's what I would – if I was – listen, that is subtle shit. If that is like subtle parody. It's really quite brilliant. It's brilliant. Trans, and you, you have a name for it, transmaxing. Transmaxing. It's just like – because there's one – if there's it's one like that thing Twitter that no one up. has sympathy for, yeah. it's guys who can't get laid. Who, Fuck you, figure it out. Who's that no Twitter, one cares. Who's that Twitter um, with the blonde hair and the glasses, Titiana – um, oh, Titania McGrath. Yeah, she yes. would do something like that. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. She's great. <laughs> but, but, but I do think. But don't you think like an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old boy growing up today? There's not a there's the line between homosexuality and heterosexuality is blurred. It's not as blurred as with you or I, but it's a bit more blurred with them. Do don't you, you think, think that? that? I think it's very possible that what we see when we see aliens. Mm -hmm. With their genderless bodies and their big heads. Right. I think that's us. I think okay. that's us in the future. And I think that we are all moving in this weird direction where we're questioning gender and mm -hmm. we're coming up with new ideas about gender. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing and I'm not saying it's a good thing. Right. I'm saying it's a thing. And if I thought about the increased use of technology and the incorporation of it into the human body which seems to be inevitable and then eventually the you won't have any use for muscles you won't have any use for if they can reproduce people with technology which is mm -hmm. not outside the realm of you know if, if, if science projects like if you go from here in 2023 to a thousand two thousand years from now of course they're going to be able to come up with some artificial way to create human beings right that could be what it looks like, and that could be where we're going. It could be like this weird nature pull towards that direction. Right. And that the further we get from the things that we were talking about earlier, the horrific nature of being a hunter-gatherer to agriculture to modern technological innovations to the future. It's right. like our, our T levels are dropping, fertility rates are dropping. Right. 
Women are having more miscarriages. It's all there's mm -hmm. plastics in our bodies mm -hmm. because of this society that we live in and the way right. things are created. There's all these factors that are happening that are leaning us into this one weird direction. And that direction seems to be like almost no gender, almost like people just becoming some new kind of thing and reproducing in some other way. If we get to a point where literally we are in danger of extinction because human and people say that's crazy, but there's really intelligent people far smarter than me that actually believe this is possible. Population collapse. They really do believe it's possible. If that happens, if it's happening, will we be able to stop it before it's too late? And if it is happening and it's inevitable and there's nothing we could do to reverse it and there's no drugs that we find that can fix it, do you think that people would allow the use of some artificial form of recreation or replication of human beings in order to keep the population alive? I think yes. Yeah. I think if we got to a point where the only way we can keep the human population alive is if we all agree to cloning, we're going to fucking do it. 100%. We're gonna we're gonna sp splice genes up. They're gonna yeah. figure out ways to do it. Other because the other is horrific. The other option is we die off. Right. That sounds so stupid. I get it because we're living in a time where people can have sex and people have and you know birth control and abortion rights are a big issue. But if we fucking keep going with whatever direction human beings are on right now, we're gonna get to some unrecognizable place where we don't have genitals. We don't have emotions. No. We don't, we're going to be some new kind of thing. And I think that's what's probably happening, whether we like it or not. Yeah, I agree. Babe, let me tell you. Babe. Uh, babe. Really, me? Yeah. Why, First you, time. You don't think you're a babe? First time you ever called me babe. Do you, are, am I okay Mark with that? it down on our friendship calendar. Cannot. Writing down. <laughs> Joe Rogan, 228. <gasps> babe. Babe, let me tell you something. Please do. You know, like what you just said, profound, 100% on board, on board the whole way. History, again, we were talking about history, you know, the, the Daily Stoic, aka the Idaho murderer, will tell you that that he'll agree with me, I believe, is that, dude, you we're thinking that we're the most progressive we've ever been as as a society right now in 2023. Right. In 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 eighteen sixty, James Buchanan was the president, right before Abraham Lincoln. James Buchanan was the president, okay? He was no, known gay. Everybody knew James Buchanan was gay. Every, the society did not care. They didn't care because your sexual uh, preference as a president did not matter at all. Right now we go up, and, oh, Pete Buttigieg is gay. Could he be the next president? 1850, 1860, they didn't give a shit at Interesting. all. Your sexual proclivity proclivity to not matter at all if you were going to be present that was your own personal thing the height of the roman empire when you know uh, uh, julius caesar and all that they were having bestiality homosexuality was all okay nobody cared so we think oh we're so woke right now we're so progressive this has happened in history hundreds of years before mm. it's just x y and z has happened to distract you from the fact that you know uh, you know whatever whatever uh, puritanical thing has happened whatever uh extremely liberal extremely conservative thing has happened to distract you from the fact that we've been here before babe we've been here before talk to james buchanan if he was alive he would say yeah i was gay they used to call his mistress who was a man they used to call uh uh, uh president buchanan miss nancy they would call him because Everybody, he was the only president in history, still to this day, no first lady, because he was gay, he was sucking cock. Wasn't J. Edgar Hoover gay as well? Probably, but he wasn't the president. 
That's true, but he had as much power as the president. S- sucking dick. All good. As All long as you're, good. As long as you're in your fasting window, nobody cares. <laughs> Zero intermittent fasting app. But, but, but. You have notifications set? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby, I'm in my window. I'm drinking the tequila. I can go to about 6 p.m. tonight, uh, uh, central time, okay. mountain time, whatever we're in. Yeah. I can go. And I'm going to have a burrito. Good for you. I'm going to have a little fun because you know what? I'm good drunk. For you. I'm drunk. I'm high. I uh, off the bath salts, whatever you gave me. Yeah, what is that? I uh, you'll get a lawsuit in three years. We said we we're gonna come back and give it another hit. Oh, is this a new one? You want to hit me again? Same one. You didn't. Jesus Christ. Jamie's pushing out. Scared, Joe, because the the lid, the little glue on lid, yeah. it was kind of stuck back on again after the. I closed Joe, it. Ja- Jamie wants to go on a two week vacation. Can we get him on a two week vacation? <laughs> Joey, ne- J- Jamie needs to go on a vacation. Am I hitting this again? You're going on a vacation with Jamie? Is that what you're saying? Let me ask you a question. If I hit this, are we doing Protect the Rivers? Oh, no. Okay. I'll hit it anyway. Yeah, He wants to get rid of one of those guys. No, no I'm, ki- no, I'm guys. kidding. I can't get rid of them. Oh my God. I'm kidding. I'm just joking Oof. around. Dude. Oh, why do I like it now? I do a couple times and then I like it. Honestly, I get what Theo Vaughn is, is feeling. Yeah, it's a problem. Because it sucks when it hits you, but then afterwards, it's really kind of exciting. <laughs> Who lives a better life than Theo Vaughn? He's living a good life. I mean, what a great... Mullet, good-looking kid. Funny Having shit. fun. Nashville, hilarious. Fun to hang out with, too. Sells a bunch of tickets. Yeah. I like it. I like Theo Vaughn. But you think I'm okay. You think I'm going to be okay. Right now? Yeah. I'm a little worried because the way you just phrased that. Okay. Up until that moment, I thought you were going to be okay. But I was like, what is he, what's going on in his brain? Like, what the rumblings that allowed him to ask that question? I, uh, You're going to be fine. I think I'm a fraud. No. Everybody feels like that when things uh, start going so well. So that's normal then? Yes. 100%. Okay. okay. Imposter okay. syndrome. Then, then everybody that, that, has that makes me feel better then. Literally everybody I've ever okay. talked to All has right. it. If you, the, the, some people won't tell you they have it, but everybody that's been willing to talk about it says they have it. Everybody has like a certain version of it because it doesn't make any sense. Because you see someone like whoever the fuck it is, you, like whether it's a musician or whether it's an athlete or whether it's a comedian or a singer or a rock star. When you see someone who is like prominent in the public eye, there's this weird thing that you have like they're a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you meet Robert Downey Jr. That's a different thing. That's fucking Iron Man. That's a different Huge. thing. It's, it's not, a, not a regular person, but it is a regular person. We're right. all just regular people. So right. when you become that person where people go, it's Chrissy D. Like, oh, no, it's just me. Oh, my God, I'm a fraud. Right. It's natural. Normal. Total, 100% natural. Okay. I've had many conversations with guys who blew up. Who worried about that? So even you, you think, oh, Everybody well, I don't deserve this. You can't think it. Okay. You, you can't l- allow that little fire to burn inside your mind, but okay. it is a total normal thing to think of because it doesn't make any sense the life you get Dude, to Dude, I almost texted you this morning and said, I, I can't come tonight. Ah! I almost, because I said, you know what? What am I going to do? I'm going to go on there for a couple hours and, and what? Be a, be a fraud? Well, like, uh, uh, you know? No. You know, but, but you know, I swear to God, I have that thing. But that's why you're good. It really is. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I think um, that's the very guys, interesting. I think the guys that have that feeling, they all they all wind up being really good, because I think that that feeling comes from this place where you really do care, and you really want to do the best that you can with your act, and you you really want to be on, but you're you know you're nervous, and so you think like, oh my god, like there's no way I could be this person. I've tricked people. You know, I used, to, I used to think it all the time when I'd get my name called when I was about to go on stage. Interesting. I used to think it this all the wild. time. This is wild. 
all the time. I used to, like, in the back of the comedy store, like, uh, they'd say, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joe Rogan. I'd be like, what are they clapping for? This is crazy. Mm. This can't be real. Yeah, I it feel that. forever. I feel that way, too. To I find myself doing uh, my shows, you know, and, and having my prepared act and writing the material or whatever, and, uh, you know, giving it 100%. At the end of my set, one of my last bit, which... You know, sometimes we'll get a big laugh or whatever. I'll find myself being like, guys, I'm sorry. I, I hope you enjoyed your money. I hope you I hope you got money's worth. I'm sorry it wasn't what you expected it to be. And blah, 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 blah. Oh. But then they'll like be clapping, sometimes standing up and clapping, and I'm like saying I'm sorry to them. And I always wondered, like, what is this? But you just kind of said something profound to me where you were like, it's everybody has that. Yeah, I thought it was just instead, me. Instead of apologizing, just tell them. I shouldn't you appreciate apologize. Them. Just tell them you appreciate them. Maybe just that's what it, I should that's, do. That's a, like, and then you'll have like a, an honest little uh, like engagement with those people, and you'll enjoy it. It's like it's a, a natural propensity to lean towards the negative and think about the negative and be fearful that all this success that you have now is going to go away. That's what people worry. That's about. what I feel. Yeah, and they're worried that they're a fraud. And, you know, you see when one of the, the things that's really hard to watch is when you see someone who's doing really well and then all of a sudden they're not doing well anymore. Mm. And then they start their, their career starts to dwindle and Down. then you start to get panicky. And it, it, they, people get to a, a weird place, right. especially guys who get, like, older and it's not happening for them. It's like, right. yikes. Right. The, the the fear that you have is the fear of the rising. It's the best fear because it's like the fear of the unknown. Of where is this going to lead to? You have so much potential. You're 38 right. years old. You know, you're just getting I, into your I groove with stand-up. Do you think I look you're jacked? Good. Yes. Everything's good, dude. Everything's good. It's natural. All these okay. thoughts are natural for anybody successful at anything. And you could ask that. Athletes will tell you that. Like, everybody has imposter syndrome. Yeah, the imposter syndrome is a real... And, and yeah. I don't think it's in, even in entertainment. I think it's in anybody who's listening to this right now. Life. Whatever career or field... Life. Yeah, in you life. have this imposter syndrome where whatever success you may get, you don't think is worthy. Right. But you got to kind of think that... You got you to gotta change your mindset and say, no, I am worthy of it. Well, a lot of times the, the, the thing that drove people to try to be big at show business was a lack of attention. Mm. You know, I know Very that's definitely what happened to Very me when I was a child, and I, I know that happens to a lot of people. And that thing that drives you to that is uh, is a, like a dominant force. But at some point in time, in order to be like what I would say a, a healthy artist is, mm. you have to recognize what that is and then transfer the energy that you spent trying to get attention okay. to now try to get really good at this thing you do. Just try to get really good at stand-up. Try to get really good at the bits. Try to kill. Try to do your best at that. And don't think about the attention anymore. The right. attention is like a thing that like gets you to it. And you try so hard to be good at stand-up because you want the positive feedback. Mm. You want that attention from the audience. But then once you figure out how to get that, there becomes okay. like a transitioning, transitioning period where you b blossom out of that if you can. You, I mean, not everybody does. Like Some people choose to just concentrate on right. what got them to the dance. But I think that like the best way to think about it and be mentally healthy is not think about yourself and attention and just think about the bits. Just think about doing your best to stand up and then once you do that, the attention you get will be like a balanced attention. Do you think you as Joe Rogan right now is the best stand up that you've been in your life right yes. now? Yeah, I think right now it's the best I've ever been because I've, I'm doing it a lot and I'm smarter. I'm older, right. I've been doing it longer. 
you know, but it, and we're still doing stand up the way we always did stand up. It's like you still there's no subjects that are off limits. It's like that's horseshit. Right. This is stupid. This world that we're living in now, where people are terrified of like doing stand up, it's so strange. Canceling yeah. people for jokes and fucking yeah. around with the way reality is being perceived. Well, like, like yeah, you, Louis, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, these guys, you know, Mount Rushmore of guys from my generation who like, you know, oh, these were the guys from, you know, when I was a kid watching them. Yeah, you kind of have that, um, not bravado, but like kind of like no fear kind of comedy, right? You, you have to just do comedy for what you think would be funny. What, what you would like to hear and like how the, like the kind of shit that you enjoy like right. I enjoy ridiculous people I enjoy Bill Burr. I enjoy Louis CK. I enjoy Best. Dave Chappelle. I enjoy ridiculous people I enjoy hilarious right. people right. that have this Fucking perceptions of life. They could boil down to the most outrageous shit on stage that makes me cry laughing That's why right. I love Joey Diaz yeah. Like that's what I like and yeah, that's what I do and that's what I'm always gonna do and you could like it or you don't like it But that's what the art form is and like don't go to a rap concert and complain that they're you know They're singing about money and guns like don't don't right. go to a country western show and complain that's singing about the fucking ranch and Sunset and being down by the river, you know, don't go to a Taylor right. Swift song complain She's not doing Led Zeppelin like every, there's different vibes Right. And what we do as stand-ups is like it's not compatible with like woke social media culture. It's just right. not. So it's just not. And that's what it is. It is what it is. And you can break it down all you want. But if you allow that social media woke culture to invade stand-up, all right. you get is bad stand-up. Yeah, you just got to be unapologetic about it. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think you – who is – do you think if I put up a tournament – of 50, guys in their 50s, a wrestling fucking just man tournament. Do you think there's anybody in their 50s who's who's stronger and better than you physically? In comedy? No, 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 no. I'm talking about let's, in life. Like, of just I'm talking about a physical, like, we're talking about who's a more jacked 55 year old guy than you? <laughs> Who can literally go further than Joe Rogan in their <clears throat> mid 50s? You, dude, you'd beat the shit out of Barack Obama. Well, that's not fair. He doesn't do it at all. Um, you know, who? How, I, is, how, how just, old is Jocko Willink? Jocko's around my age. He might be a little younger than me. You think you can take down Jocko? No, Jocko's a big fella. He's a big guy, right? Jocko's about 240. Jamie, so what do you think? Jocko's a les, legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's 51? He's 51? Yeah, Jocko's an animal. Joe, what are you, 53? 55. 55? <clears throat> yeah, I'm 55. Dude, have you ever, who's a better 55-year-old than you? Seriously, who's better? Tell I, me. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody. I, I just, think you've pushed yourself to the best 55-year-old on the planet. Thank you very much. That's very Seriously. sweet of you. Seriously. Very sweet. Protect the rivers. I like this hard pitch. Jamie, I mean, do you have to take... When you step up to the plate, do you have to try to hit home runs or what? Uh, not the goal. Jamie says that's the goal. Jamie needs a what vacation. Give him a vacation. <laughs> what? Jamie needs a vacation. Why do you see, keep saying Jamie needs a vacation? <laughs> I'm just saying. Because Jamie's got gray hairs in his beard. I'm just saying, Jamie, let's get Jamie two weeks to Aruba. Jamie has like organically programmed himself to be the greatest producer of all time. Number one in history of podcasting, Jamie. He's the goat. Jamie is the. Isn't that wild? He's uncomfortable. Look at him. He's you got. You got. Now. You have goats. You have. You have. You have Joe Rogan's. You have LeBron James. You have Elon Musk's. You have Barack Obama's. You have Caitlyn Jenner's. Here's, and here's the you thing. Have Jamie Vernon's. He stands alone. Who the fuck else is a producer like him? You have Brian Redband, but he's a co-host. Brian Redband's also funny. He fucks around. He interjects. He puts the music. When he does Kill Tony, 
He's great as a co-host, right? But he's he's also the producer. I want to. So sh- it's a little different. I want to shout out my producer, the homeless pimp, who's amazing. Homeless pimp, Chrissy Chaos. Hey, babe. Homeless pimp is amazing. Homeless pimp is in the sh- uh, homeless pimp looks up to Jamie. Homeless he, pimp and is the homeless a great pimp producer should. because Nobody he looks up to Jamie. The homeless pimp is Mike Lavin, the Jamie, homeless pimp, baby. Okay, now people know who he is. Homeless pimp, shout out homeless <laughs> pimp. You need a pro- let me word to it. Word to the wise. Anyone starting a podcast out there, get yourself a producer who has autism. They're the best. That's a good move. Also, someone who Whoa, you like. Hold on. Someone who you like what? hanging out with. Jamie has autism. I don't think Jamie has autism. <laughs> let me look at me, Jamie. I think uh, Jamie Stare me in the eyes. Jamie is in. Uh, he's some, got autistic tendencies. He's also in a weird intelligence spectrum. I'll, I'll take that. Jamie's unusually intelligent. Jamie is unusually intelligent, and I said the last time you remind me of a young John Travolta. I told you that. Yeah, you did. And you we do, all got real confused. You do look like. <laughs> I look like I see solid Scientology vibes in your face. I want oh. Jamie to get one of them old school timey curly mustaches. That's what I want him to grow. I yeah, really I w- do. I want, I want Jamie to shave his head. I want yeah. him to shave his head. I want him to grow some crazy old school yeah, handlebar type. Jamie, I want Jamie to look like the spokesperson for Sarsaparilla. What? What? Sarsaparilla. It's a. Uh, Have you ever seen the UFC referee Mike Beltran's mustache? Oh yeah, it's Pull the craziest up. thing you've ever seen in your life, dude. It's goddamn. It's it's like it hangs down to his his nipples. So you love a good nipple mustache. Lower. Maybe this lower. Guy? Oh, look at that guy. That's, That's what Jamie looks like. That's rude. Jamie, How dare you? That's rude. That's Jamie in 150 years, given the current state of medical science. <laughs> Fucking Jamie, dude. Jamie looks like he... Jamie, you got Bitcoin? Jamie's got a lot of Bitcoin. Jamie looks like he's invested properly in Bitcoin. Jamie's got Bitcoin in his pocket right I now. I like Jamie's energy. Dude, the energy in here, the karmic energy in the Joe Rogan experience is very positive. That's good. It's very positive. That's what I want. Cause you, Beautiful. You, you don't see that all the time when you're traveling around, but... It's got pot from your, I mean, dude, you know, we just went to the bathroom. Your, one of your uh, security guys was taking a shit. It smelled positive. <laughs> <laughs> Positively horrific. Po- I mean, no, yeah, he eats too much chicken skin. But, <laughs> but he, but positive, good guy. Because, you know, I came into the studio. He shook my hand. said, hey, Chris, how you doing? You know, and I. But but I know he's positive, friendly. But I know if, if at any moment I got out of line, he'd break my neck, he'd he'd rip my skull out through my ass crack. You know what I mean? He, you does that ri- make you feel uncomfortable? It does because I say, you know what? He's positive. He's happy. He has the he has the capability to kill me with his bare hands if he wanted to. But he's not that guy. He won't. <laughs> that won't happen unless I re, uh, uh, push him into that happening. So that makes me feel good. He knows his strength. He knows his experience, but he's uh, got control of it. So it makes me feel comfortable. Right. It makes me feel Does comfortable. Does it make you aspire to that, to be that kind of a person? It makes me aspire to that, but it also makes me simultaneously feel like I can't do that because I haven't dedicated my life to that, and I'm too scared. I will. I still sleep to this night. If I'm sleeping in my hotel last night, I have the bathroom light on because if I'm sleeping in pure darkness, I always see a ghost or a poltergeist or I think someone's there. <laughs> So I know I'm not going to be the guy, your security guard, whose shit smells like positivity. Dude, did you see that the Mexican president, the president of Mexico, yes! took a photograph and posted say he caught a picture of a wood elf? How wild is that? <laughs> <laughs> this dude's wild. He, Dude. I, apparently he buys into a lot of old myths and fairy tales. I hate to do this, but I got to piss again. Again? Again, dude. I drank so much goddamn you know what? water. I'll I was be right all- back. We'll, we'll wrap. This will be the last segment. I got. Right, I got. I'll piss with you. And we're back. We're back. Oh. 
Dude, this is the overhydration show. I apologize to everyone. I've never had to pee this much, but, but, but I, I feel better. I really do. I feel blessed. Most pisses ever on a Joe Rogan episode mm. is with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, great prostate. Thank you. You know, we were <clears> talking <throat> about working out while we were peeing. There's this YouTube uh, guy I follow, Athlean, Athlean X. X. Yeah, I follow right? that too. Jeff's, yeah. Jeff. And he does these uh, um, uh, ERs, they're called. Um, uh Maybe it's efficient reps, I think, but basically it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know he's a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I've been doing this, and I've been seeing results. Is he thinks that the real hypertrophy, which I think is scientifically uh, uh, backed, the real hypertrophy comes at the last two to three reps of an exercise. So say you're doing, you know, twelve, ten, eight, six. The last, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve is really where the hypertrophy comes. So what he says is he does. Uh, 20 efficient reps, right? 20 ER. So you get an ignition set. So you take a weight that you'll fail at between 8 and 12. Let's say you're doing bicep curls. You'll take a 50-pound dumbbell and you'll fail at 10. You're failing at 10. When failing to him means you're breaking the breaking the form and the concentric exercise and you're failing, in, you know, you're, you're using other muscles to kind of recruit the bicep to get that. That's failing. So he says, what you do then, that's your ignition set. You take a 50-pound dumbbell, your ignition set is 10 reps. Boom, good. You wait 15 seconds, now the real workout begins. You have to get 20 efficient reps, 20 ERs in that time. So after you do the 10, you're at failure, wait 15 seconds, boom. One, two, maybe I can get four, and then I got to take a break. Wait 15 seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Every 15 seconds up to 20, that's one set. Then you move on to the brachioradialis, the brachialis, the front deltoid, whatever it may be. And you, you know, Athlean X says you stay in that one type of workout he has, you stay in that efficient rep range. And I got to tell you, that's brought, I've went from doing his efficient rep exercise, I went from being able to do about 10 pull-ups in a row to 20 in mm. about a month and a half. Wow. So with weight, right? So so I think I've been following that that Athlean X YouTube follow in my opinion, one of the best follows you can on 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 uh on YouTube. It's such an amazing time if you're interested in physical fitness because there's so much information now. There's so many people that have like all these studies that have been done. There's so many people that really understand like the science yeah. behind building cardiovascular yeah. fitness and hypertrophy and all that. It's a really unique time, man, because there's guys like Andrew Huberman, oh, or Huberman, Bio great. Lane, like Lane Norton, who are yeah. like legit like weightlifters, yeah, and like Jack dudes who are also scientists, yeah, like legit scientists who can give yeah. you the real information about like what's effective, what's not, different ways to do it. And here's the thing that I think this is more important than anything: is consistency, focus, and effort, and everything works. Like the people that want to do high reps, or just guys that get super jacked on calisthenics. I mean, look at those bar stars guys. They have the most incredible physiques, and it's all calisthenics. Mm-hmm. The only thing that a lot of those guys are missing is the load bearing work for the legs. Because right. I think, like, in order to get, like, they're load bearing with their arms because they're doing right. all this body work, but load bearing with your legs almost kind of like to build your legs up to match your upper body, you almost kind of have to do. Unless you do like one-legged type squats and plyometrics and shit, I feel like you kind of have to lift something. What about a little steroids? What about That'll if help I do, you. what if I do one cycle? Just fucking get it. Well, you know, why don't you before you pump. even think about doing anything? 
why don't you go and get blood work done so they could find out what your nutrient levels are at, where your hormone levels are at, where your cortisol levels Great. are at. We can have that set up next time you come into town. I'm going to do that because I, I think I just, again, get one spin on this. Pl- Let's just try one cycle Let's of go. juice. I Let's don't try know if one it would cycle be good for you. I think you should listen to your father. I bet he would tell you you're not going to go with one. You're going to go with two and you're going to try to double it he up. He doesn't want me to juice. And you're going to want to look like Dorian Yates. Dude, my dad, first of all, my father, you know what's another great thing he instilled in me? Because, you know, uh, uh, I, um, you know, you know, my, my Jasmine, the mother of my children, also had a son before I met her. And uh, so I was a stepfather immediately, right? Beautiful thing, you know, in my dad's wisdom. Because my dad said, you know, him and my mom divorced, right? And my dad said, even though your mother, when I was a kid, he was like, even though your mother and I are divorced, we have a child, I have a child with your mother. You'll never hear me talk bad about her. I respect this woman more than every other, any other woman in my life. I respect her because she's the, she's your mother. So you always, so when I had a stepkid, he was like, remember, you always got to respect the mother of your children. When I was 15 years old, my mother, because my parents were divorced when I was one, my mother's Ivy League graduate, my father's third grade education. When my, when my parents divorced when I was one, when I was 15, my mother started dating one of my best friend's fathers, which as a 15-year-old boy, brutal. Whoa. I mean, you know, you'd hear, you know, we'd be sitting in the garage smoking weed, uh, you know, f- fucking around, you know, as a 15, 16-year-old adolescent, somebody would be like, what do you think Chris's mom is doing? Oh, no. And one of my other friends would be like, I don't know, banging Jimmy's dad? And I'd be oh. like, ah! You know, like, horrifying. Oh, my and, God. And so anyway, so this, this guy who's dating my mother, when I'm 15, one day uh, cheats on my mom and starts dating a woman, having an affair with a woman who lives directly across the street. I'm talking about we live here directly across. We can see into that house. That's what this guy did. Cheated on my mom, carries on an affair with another woman directly across the street, right? So I'm 15, 16 years old, don't really understand that my mother's heartbroken over this. She would set up a chair, especially on the weekends, and just look out the window to see if this guy's going to go into that other woman's house, heartbroken, horrified, staying in her pajamas, violently depressed, crying every day. And I don't understand. I'm a 15-year-old kid. I'm playing my video games, jerking off to Sable. I I don't know (laughs) what's going on, right? Shout out. I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with this, right? But my father, even though my parents were divorced, was always like, I respect your mother. I will protect your mother from day from forever from this point forward. We have a child, I protect your mother. And that's what he instilled in me. So he comes over one day to pick me up for basketball practice. And I'm pl- in my room playing video games, you know, being a dickhead, whatever. I'm a kid. I don't understand that my mother's outside crying, being heartbroken. And my dad walks in, sees my mom crying, looking out the window looks at that as like, the fuck is going on with this lady? Comes into my room. He goes, uh, Chrissy, what, what, uh, what's going on with your mother out there? She's crying. I said, uh, yeah, you remember that guy she was dating? Uh, he dumped her, and now he's dating a woman who lives, who lives directly across the street. And my dad says, you going to do something about that? I said, what, what? I'm 15 years old. I have psoriasis. Like, I'm a fuck... <laughs> I have, I have a skin condition, like I have a neck problem, like I'm an anxious kid, like w- I'm playing video game. What am I going to do? He goes, uh, listen, I'm going to go get us bagels. It's 100% true story. He goes, I'm going to go get us bagels. Uh, just do me a favor. Don't come outside. I'm going to go get us bagels. I'll bring bagels back to you. What do you want? Everything bagel with cream cheese? I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Not thinking anything. Going back, playing my video games. 
Five minutes later, I hear my mother, because she's looking out the window, screaming, Tony, Tony, you're going to kill him. My dad went across the street. They've been divorced 15 years. Rang this person's bell, waited for this guy to come downstairs, started beating the shit out of him for disrespecting my mom. I run down the stairs after I hear my mother screaming. I see my dad got blood on his knuckles. This guy's fucking on the floor, not knocked out, but like writhing in pain. It felt like uh, Goodfellas, like when Ray Liotta's oh, walking across yeah. the street. Like, I felt like Karen. You know, hide the gun. <laughs> hide the gun, Karen. You know? <laughs> I literally, I was like, oh, my God. So my wow. dad gets in my face. I swear to God, this is a real thing. This happened in 1998, 1999. He goes, that was your job. That was, I just did your job. Like Whoa. lunatic, like kind of, and I and, and I was like, well, what? Uh, this is it. Yeah, the this Ray is Liotta it. This, scene. Is, this is how my dad is fucking walking across after he just beat the shit out of the guy. And this is me. This is me right here. Oh well, this is him getting beat up. My dad did just not with the gun, but beat this fucking guy's face in. Oh my god, I forgot this scene. He pistol whips him. Yeah, he pistol whips him. And then oh that, my god, as he's walking across, I'm Karen. Of yeah, look, this this is my dad's face right here, probably wearing that same. And this Doing is him. this. Yeah, yeah, this wow. is me. This is me as Karen. That was me looking, and I uh, I tried to make believe like I didn't see it. And my dad goes in my face. He goes, "That was your job," and I said, "What? What? what? I'm fucking. What do you mean? I'm I'm a kid. I'm 15 years old. I have psoriasis, uh, you know." And 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 then two hours later, we're going over the Verrazano Bridge, which connects uh, you know Brooklyn to Staten Island. My dad's taking me to my game. I was going to stay by him for the weekend, and he, you know, because my dad always had. Like, that's why I call my comedy tour the right intention, but the wrong move. My dad's intentions were protect your mother, but the move was executed, you know, poorly. But he says to me, he says, uh, Chris, we're on in traffic on the Arizona Bridge. He goes, Chris, he goes, uh, you know what I did was wrong back there, right? You know, I shouldn't have done that. I was like, uh, yeah, I know. Mom knows. The police know. Like, everybody knows you shouldn't have done that. He goes, exactly. He goes, but, you know, you shouldn't, instead of playing video games in your room, like an asshole, you should be out there comforting your mother when she's going through a hardship. You made me do your job. That's you're supposed to be a man. You're responsible for protecting your mother. What a now. mixed signal, though. You I shouldn't know. do that. It's a bad thing to do. Exactly. But it's your job. Exactly. So that's where the kind of uh, dichotomy and yes. my father comes in the right attention but the wrong move because I understand right. what he was saying. Protect your mom, which actually was instilled in me to protect my mom, but but. After that, but the move was to beat somebody up, another grown man, when I'm just a kid, I don't know. Yeah, your anxiety makes a lot of sense. Very anxious. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, it's a conf conflict. And if you're dealing with that conflict when you're a young, growing person, you know, it's very hard for your brain to figure out what's the right thing to do. You don't have, like, a clear... You you either have, you can have bad examples like you could have a dad that's a horrible alcoholic. And right. I have friends that have that and they won't touch a drink. Because right. they saw what it does when, when someone becomes an alcoholic. Right. So you can learn from a bad example. But it seems like he was a great guy with like really wise things to say, but also a bad example. That's what's crazy. Well, like he was a wise man who cared about you, but also yeah. a bad example and also yeah. a violent criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's that's this kind of kind of uh, uh, like I said, dichotomy, this confusion about yeah. my father as a guy because he was an amazing. His advice is amazing. Oh, an amazing human being, an amazing human being, but. There was, you know, his methods of it yeah. was a little suspect, you know, where I was like, I got his point, you know, like, um, but he would, uh, like I said, his intentions on it were, uh, were not always the best, but as a, you know, but, but the byproduct of it was 
from that moment when I was 15, 16 years old, I never, ever, ever, when my mom needed help, I was always there to help her. I think we can't even imagine what it would have been like to grow up during your dad's time. Mm-hmm. I don't think we could imagine it. I really don't. And I don't think he could have imagined growing up in his dad's time, coming over here during the Depression. Right. You know, these people that came over here from Italy and from Ireland and England and wherever the fuck they came from, and during that time, like, so many people came during the early 19th century. Those fucking people were hard-assed people, man. Right. Like, and they made hard-ass people, and it took a long time for us to get sensitive, and we're only becoming, like, really sensitive to the way, what happens to people when they grow up, kind of, over the last few generations. And, And somebody like my dad, like I said, third, fourth grade education, was able to foresee issues we're having in society now. Yes. 12 years ago, like, for example, when Twitter came out, right? My dad said, I remember this was 2009, 2009, 2010. I just got into comedy, so it was 2010. And I, I got a Twitter, and I was telling my dad. And he was like, why'd you do that? I was like, ah, you know, it's comedy, you know, like, you got everybody has a Twitter, right? And he goes, oh, let me tell you something about Twitter. He goes, this is the worst thing that's going to happen to society. I said, why? Again, third grade education. He said, because let me tell you, he said, let me tell you something that I know 100%. He goes, not everybody's supposed to be talking. You're not supposed to have everybody in society talking. Only a few people are supposed to talk. Most of us are supposed to listen. When you got everybody talking, you're going to have a big problem. Trust me on that. And now we're here 2023, big problem. Dude, everybody's got an opinion. Exactly what I've said about this. But it's just that people have to kind of earn their right to be heard. And I know that sounds ridiculous because they are doing it through Twitter. It's just doing it in a real messy way. Right. Like, Everybody can be heard now. That right. just is what it is. And to say I, 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 it's true, what he said is true. Not everybody should talk, but everybody can talk. So that's just the reality right. of the world we live in. Right. You can't change that. That yeah. is that is unless there's a fucking supernova out there that right. blows out our electrical system and we don't right. have the internet for a decade. That's it. Yeah. This is I, the world we live in now. And I've accepted that at this point, but I'm just saying like like a, a street smart guy, right. like like uh, I but had a street an, smart guy who grew up today would still be street smart just with this new reality that you live in. Right. Like like I grew up like I said with an Ivy League educated mother, so very book smart and a third grade educated father, but very street smart in and out of the system, whatever. So I had this idea I had this both sides of like my mom making me, you know, understand history and memorize every state capital and understanding the economy blah blah, blah where my dad coming at it from just life stuff. Like when mm. I, when I, uh, you know, my, my oldest daughter is um, is seven now, and I've only been with Jasmine, the mother of my children, for eight years. So that means the second or third date we conceived our daughter, and it was a big thing because I grew up very Catholic, especially my, you know, I got Catholic tattoos all over my body, like I'm fighting in the army of God, like I'm Chrissy Crusades, and 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 I grew up that way, just fucking Catholicism pounded down my throat by my mom. And so when I got a girl pregnant out of wedlock, Yikes. this in my family and in my being is a huge, it's almost like I murdered someone. Like it is huge. Like I had to approach my mother now with these, this idea of I got a woman pregnant who I barely know out of wedlock, the, the anxiety, the uh, 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 kind of fear mm. to approach my mother with this was um, palpable. It was, it was inconceivable in my mind. And so, but my father, 
being street smart and being understanding of the world knew how to help me with this. I told my father first because my father doesn't judge me. He just like is like, whatever you want to do, Chris, I support you, and I'm going to help you get in and out of trouble as best I can. That's how my father feels. Like he's like, I'm my my father lives his life for me, his son. He's like, I my whole life changed, and that's how I feel about my children. I live my life for my children. So, because that was how my dad was. So he said to me when I told him, I confessed. I said, you know, I, I got, you know, I really like him in love with this woman. She's pregnant with my child. I, 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 I'm gonna, we're gonna have this baby. I, I'd already been a physical therapist. I'd already had uh, minimal success in comedy. I, I felt like I'm gonna have this baby. I'm the one who decided to have unprotected sex. We're gonna have this baby. Despite the odds against us, I'm gonna do it. My dad goes, listen, I support you 100%, whatever you want. Because everybody else in my life, when I told them I had got a girl pregnant, were like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Negative right away. My father's first words out of his mouth were congratulations. That's what he said. Congratulations. Because he knew. He was like, I'm just going to support you, whatever it is. That's a great combination. Yeah. Between your mom and your dad. It really is. It's yeah. a great combination for like a balanced view of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree with that because my mom, at times we would, you know, butt heads, but she was keeping me in the straight line as much as she could where my dad was like, I'm just supporting you right. in every way I can. So I did have a, again, privileged, beautiful, blessed life. I'm very aware of that. But what my dad said to me was he was like, uh, okay, here's the thing. He goes, here's what we got to do with your mother right now. He goes, she barely knows this woman. Okay, she barely knows this woman who's carrying your child. So what we got to do, what we got to do is you got to introduce this woman and show the best qualities of this woman to your mother. Because we got to we got to basically get your mother pregnant. Get her on board. He he said exact quote. He goes, we got to get your mother pregnant with the idea of her being pregnant. Oh, my God. We got to fucking we got to make your mother fall in love with this woman. And then the fact that she's pregnant is a bonus. That's what we got to do. So that's what I did. And I got to tell you. By the time I told my mom Jasmine was pregnant, was four or five months into knowing her, mom didn't bat an eye. She was like, amazing. Oh, I man. love it. And that was all my dad being street smart saying, get your mother pregnant with the idea of her being pregnant. That's I was a great like, fucking, fucking quote. Now, my mom graduated from Columbia University. I believe like she couldn't have come up with the <laughs> shit my dad, who's got one tooth, came up with. <laughs> That's you know? amazing. Yeah, dude, right? That's a great combination, man. Are you close with your mom and dad? Yeah. Well, I'm close with my mom. I'm not close with my biological dad, but I'm close with my stepdad. Well, your stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, and, and, and that's what I love about, you know, I have a stepchild, and, and, and I was raised half by a stepmom, and I feel like step-parenting is the most thankless job. It's one of the most thankless jobs because I have to, I treat my stepson like he is my own, just like my stepmother treated me like I was her own, but we're not, right? There's no nature or biological connection, but I said, my connection to you as my stepson is through my daughters, and I. you are as much as, even though I did not create you, you are a part of my life, part of my family, and I love you like I love my children. But it's, 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 it's a tough thing to kind of, uh, when you're a step parent, you realize like, man, I'm, I'm in third, fourth, fifth place in my own life. And I just have to accept that. I tr- got to try to be the most positive, uh, human being I can and be happy for me. Cause happiness is, I can transfer it to my, my family, but being a stepfather is harder than being a biological father because it's nature is saying, this is not your kid, but yet you have to say, that, no, 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 it is my kid. Th- this is my child. Um, and, and, and I found that being a stepdad 
has uh it's almost like you know when you kind of like grind the gears and like you know grind the stuff and then a diamond comes out like i feel like that i feel like i'm proud to be a father because of my step parenting more than my biological i love my children all three of them the same equally even though one of them is not biologically mine i love him like i love my daughters that's beautiful. That seems like everything you're saying is you being on a path of being a better person. Like, it seems like you're really concentrating on that all the time. What would you do if I killed myself in my hotel room tonight? <laughs> you seem like you're trying to do that, though, right? I'm, I'm yeah. accurate. Like, I love everything you're saying, and I agree in, uh, 100%. I feel the same way. Yeah, because I know it's I, beautiful. Yeah. It's not. It's nice. Like it's you're you're concentrating yeah. on being a better person. That's yeah, a real thing. Because you know, so you can I, put the wash back on. I think put the watch back on. Jamie, don't have be, I don't earned be afraid it? of success. Okay, I've earned it. Put that it. watch back on. I, I never know. I, ne I always put it down upside down. No, everything you're saying, I wholeheartedly agree with, and I think it's beautiful. And I think thinking that way is like it's 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 good for you. It's good for people around you. It's like you're trying to be the best version of Chrissy D as you could be. Well, I think too. Like Ooh, that rhymed. Wow, is that my new album? <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think that too, like even like animals, like I never used to have a, want a dog and I don't have a dog yet, but I'm contemplating getting a dog. But I would always be like, oh, animals, like what if they, what if a cat or a dog bites my kid? And I'm, but I realize now like the connection between all living things, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, Just get an animal that's not going to bite your kid. Like get a Labrador, right. get a, like a cool dog that's like got great temperament. I spelled you know? it. Get a, get a, a sweet dog. There's a lot of sweet dogs out there that are great with kids. I have a golden retriever. He's the best. The best, dude. Right? He's so sweet with everybody. Everybody that comes over the, the house is like his new best friend. He's just a just big old love ball. Beautiful. He's the I know. best. My mom had a dachshund, Larry. And um, Larry was uh, you know, a little German wiener dog that fucking barked at everybody. Didn't they? Is that the dog? Did they make them that shape for a specific reason? Yes, to go into uh, bunkers in World War II. Really? I, I, well, I don't know. That's what. Look at this. I'll wear it with the goggles. I like them. I like those glasses, dude. I don't think you should be ashamed of that. Do you want to put them look. on? No. Do you want to see what it feels like? No, I'm okay. Okay. But, but I like them on you. You're confident in who you are. It's a good look. Dude, I'm like I ever, Popeye, bro. I am what I am. Did I ever tell you about <laughs> about Larry at the end of Larry's life? What did I ask him to look up? I you, just forgot. Dachshunds. Oh, oh. Sorry. End of Larry's life. You ready for this? This yes. is a 100% true story. My dog, Larry who was, you know, I got when I was 16, you know, lived with my mom. I, you know, I moved out. Larry lived a long life, 17, 18 years, which is a long time for a dachshund. He's dying. Every time I go visit my mother, he's dying, right? It's like, obviously, this dog needs to be put down. My mother, it's, my, it's like a second son right. to my mother. She's not going to put him down, blah, 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 blah. Finally, we get to a point where Larry's like, literally looks like he's got bandages over his eyes. He looks like he fought in the fucking Civil War. Like, oh. we got to get Larry to the fucking vet. It's a mercy kill at this point. Larry's dying. Oh. My mother finally agrees. Larry's dying. We take him to the vet, okay? We take him to the vet. Uh... The vet comes in, does her tests. Great vet. Does her tests, says, yes, Larry needs to be put down right now. He's got uh, all these problems, tumors, and, and advanced illness. He needs to die, right? Peacefully. Great. Right. You know, upset, but Larry will be in a better place. I'm there with my mother, of course. It's 11 o'clock at night. There with my mother holding her. You know, I'm upset. She's upset, of course. They, the vet says to us, Going to put a little uh, needle in Larry's paw. Going to have a medicine that's going to kind of stop Larry's heart. It's going to take about 20 seconds. He will breathe his last breath, painless, numb. 
like it never happened, Larry will pass away. Of course, it's very emotionally inducing, emotionally inducing for me, emotionally inducing for my mom. But we say, Mom, this is the best case scenario. The vet convinced her. I convinced her. My mom even was convinced your guys are right. I, I, I'm, I'm almost cruel letting him suffer this much. The vet says he's gonna, he's, he has to pass away. Great. You know, so we're, we're prepared. Larry's there blinking, you know, in pain. You know, you see it. The medicine comes in, goes in. I see it going through the tubes, goes in through his paws. Thinking about 20, 30 seconds, Larry's blinking. We're looking at him, rubbing. My mother's hysterical, as, as she should be. I'm upset, rubbing my mother's back, of course. 30 seconds goes by. You know, Larry's still blinking. I'm rubbing oh, my Jesus mother's back. Christ. I'm saying, Mom, it's going to be okay. It's a few more seconds. No problem. Time's going on. Now we're at a minute. Now we're at a minute and a half. And it's a long time. And it's about two minutes now. And my mom, you know, is crying. Larry's blinking. Larry actually looks like he's getting a little bit more energy. And I said, uh, I said to the vet, I said, uh, is there, is this normal? She goes, no, um, I'll be right back. Because Larry now has got, I mean, Larry was dying. And now Larry's kind of got a bit of a pep in his step. So I'm saying, okay, what's going on here? My mom's kind of upset, but she's like, we're all confused. Vet leaves, comes back, white as a ghost. The vet, I say to the vet, because my mom is inconsolable. I say, Doc, wh oh, what's going on? She goes, um, I'm very sorry. Um, she goes, we have a new vet tech that just started last week. Innocent mistake. The dog next door to you was dehydrated. And we accidentally gave Larry electrolytes, not the death medicine. <gasps> we gave him electrolytes so you might see a quick surge of energy, which we were, I mean, Larry was doing cartwheels. I mean, this dog was acting like he was a fucking puppy. We see this quick surge of energy. Electro what about the other dog? That's what I thought. The, the, the electrolytes into Larry. The vet says, don't worry. I have the right medicine right here. Larry will, de will be dead in a minute. We Larry now is like blinking, like literally, like we gave Larry like a shot of cocaine. Fucking fully alive. Unbelievable. My mom doesn't know what to do. They give the right medicine to Larry, like the right medicine. Larry died in... Five seconds, dead, last blink, whatever. I thought the same thing you did. I said, God knows what the hell happened to the dog next door. Yeah. I have no fucking idea. Just get out of there. I signed that paperwork. We fucking left. I, oh, boy. Yeah, it was one of those things where- It's not you. It ain't me. You can't pull it back either. It was a big fuck up, and my mom was oh kind of on the drive home. My mom was like, do you think Larry could have been saved? I said, Mom, you know what? I think we made the right choice. Here's a Wendy's here. I'm starving. I'll get you a fucking- I'll get you a, a some chicken- dehydrated dog died suddenly. Might have died suddenly. That's but that's medicine, baby. That's medicine. That's a real story. And and you know my mom still has the urn, wow. has the ashes of little Larry. By the way, I think if you if you have a dog, it's great to name it a funny human name. I don't like Fido Spot. I like Larry, Gary, Harry, Megan. I like like I, I met a Rottweiler once, two hundred and fifty pounds, had rabies. Her name was Josephine. Hilarious. Rabies? Well, not rabies, but she was foam. I don't know if she was rabies, but she was a, a vicious dog. Her name was Josephine. Hilarious. I know a woman whose doctor took out the wrong kidney. Took out her good kidney. It happens. How crazy is that? You People think that, that it's just in the, the movies. Wrong foot. Right. They 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 do shit sometimes. They get tired. They're humans. 
They're humans. You know? That's the thing. Yeah. You, you know, like, like when when a doctor, when you go into a surgery, when you have an emergency situation, the doctor is making. Now, granted, they are professionals, but they are make make no They're mistake. Humans. They are making their educated best guess. Now, the chances yeah. are their educated best guess is ninety nine percent right, but it is still an educated best guess. Okay, it is not foolproof. Once they start cutting you open, putting you under, I, weird shit happens. I mean, how many times do you have a plastic surgery or whatever that goes awry and then somebody yeah. dies? Because I don't want to ever get a surgery that I don't need to survive. Right. Like, I don't like my left tit. It flails a little bit, even though I'm trying to get myself in shape. Maybe I get a little local anesthesia, a little nip and a tuck. You think a nip and a tuck? Pull that maybe a cryo? to the side. Do I need cryo, to? Cryo, maybe. What about maybe HGH? freeze your tits. Should I do HGH? You should get your whole body analyzed. Like, go and get blood work done where they can examine everything, your hormones, your nutrients. And then someone should ask you about your sleep. They should track your, you know, your heart rate variability. They should... You know, they should find out where your fitness level's at. There's a lot of things that, to do it properly, if you're going to adjust your hormones, and you're at an age at 38 where a lot of people either start or consider starting, you really should get, like, a comprehensive panel on your overall health. And right. there's a bunch of, like, really solid experts that can do that for you now. What do you That's take right every day? What is there a daily intake that Joe Rogan Not take? every day. Um, uh, I have been uh, taking peptides five days a week. That I, I really like peptides. I really like BPC one five seven, and there's uh, some other stuff that I that I take that does. It's great for recovery from injuries. It increases your body's ability to produce growth hormone. Sauna helps a lot too. I do the sauna before I go to bed. No I have much deeper sleep. I do test every three days. I take a small shot of test every three days. So I have a and friend. You do it um, in the fat. So I have a friend, he put a test tablet in his ass. Some people do that. Now, they and have it, like a thing where it, like it's a slow leak. What do you think of that? I've never done it, nor have I talked to anybody who's done it, but I know it's a thing. My friend did it. He's got a test tablet in his ass. And he said, it's, 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 when you decide to do that, it's, you're in. Because it's six months of just dropping tests through your ass crease. That's so weird, right? <laughs> Seems like I'd rather just inject it. But but, but like, you gotta take you gotta uh, take a pill to prevent baldness. <laughs> you gotta take a pill to prevent tits. Yeah. You gotta take a pill to prevent blood clots. It seems like a lot. You don't have to take a pill to prevent blood clots unless you're you have some sort of high blood pressure medication or some sort of issue with your. I mean, it's not a normal thing. Like to take a pill to prevent blood blood clots. It's not like something a lot of people take. I'm on high blood pressure medicine, Losartan. Is that a blood clot issue though? No, I think I've always had high blood. I had high blood pressure and high cholesterol when I was 12. But if someone is taking a pill to prevent blood clots, I mean, I'm not a doctor, right? But is that on? That seems unusual. Right? Seems unusual. A pill to prevent blood clots. Like, what would that be for? Like, what's the disease that is there a disease specifically for blood clots that causes blood clots? Is there There's got to be a disease that causes blood clots. I, you, but you think that it, I got I I got to get my blood drawn. I got to get on something. Well, you should definitely find out instead of saying I got to get on something. Find out where all your levels are at. Right. So that's that's an easy fix. They go. They do blood work. They do a comprehensive panel. All the nutrients, all your hormone levels, everything. And so then you can like say, oh, you're low in vitamin D or you're low in zinc or you're low in DHEA, like whatever it is. Like there's right. a, a bunch of gotta different things. Gotta be something. Yes, gotta be something 100%. I'm low in. I'm sure. I'm Have sure there's a balance that could be achieved. Do you take vitamins? 
I take uh, I do the athletic greens. Oh, is that enough great. on an empty stomach? Yes. Which which I heard does not break your fast. I'm going with I take those on an empty stomach at 8 a.m. with a shot of apple cider vinegar. Mm. To and it says it does not break your fast because anything over 30 calories breaks your fast according to the Zero Fasting app. And this is 30 on the dot. There you, you go. What do you think? Uh, I I say don't sweat it. Just don't take it, it. Right. Just take it. Can only be good for you, dude. We gotta hang out more. Okay. You ever have comedians sleep over your house? Not anymore. Right? What about a sleepover? What no. about a comic sleepover? A uh, comic sleepover, maybe we get a big suite at a hotel somewhere. That'd be Maybe fun. that's our thing. Maybe you that's got protective thing. parks for the other guys. Do a but, show. But we do Chrissy sleepovers with me do and Joe Rogan. somewhere. Yeah, and then we, and we then we'll conduct a sleepover. a sleepover. We do fucking, we do s'mores. Yeah. We do tests. Yeah. We do, we do the, the sniff, the bath salts. We play Uno. We play Uno. That's our thing. Yeah. Th- let those guys have that. We got the sleepovers. <laughs> what do you think of that, Jamie? Jamie needs a vacation. Chris... I love you. This I love is a lot you of too. fun. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stefano, right intention, wrong move tour. <laughs> ChrisDComedy.com. Uh, you're all over the place. Look at you. Fort Myers, Orlando, Jacksonville, Boston, West Palm, Miami, Tampa, Austin, Texas, April 2nd. Uh, April 12th. San Antonio. Oh, excuse me. April 12th. Uh, and April 13th, San Antonio, May 5th, Buffalo. And then Radio City Music Hall, September 22nd. And Instagram That's the big one. is Christy, Christy Comedy. Comedy. Christy Comedy, and I got my show on uh, Vice TV, Super Maximum Retro Show. About Today's 70s. a lot of fun. Thank you. I Th- really enjoyed Joe, it. Joe, thank you fun. so much. I'm sleeping my over. My pleasure, brother. Bye.